warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 375. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hello, this is Randall Park, and you are listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast, <laughs> the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And I'm, the leftovers. And I'm tired. <laughs> I'm fucking tired. I've had a long week, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm had a long fucking yeah. week. Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna make excuses for the episode sucking. It's gonna suck anyway. I'm not making. De- <laughs> it's gonna fucking suck, Jake. Even if you were fully awake, it would suck. Even if I was fully awake, the episode would fucking suck. It's gonna suck even more though, because I'm fucking tired. I'm like Babe Ruth falling asleep at the bat, calling nothing. <laughs> Hold his hand out and it just droops down. Yeah. I, I, right now I feel like sleepy, tired, drunk Babe Ruth. <laughs> That's normal everyday Babe Ruth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. How many rotisserie chickens do you think that guy ate in his lifetime? I think he Man. ate him like, he ate him like a fucking cartoon character, like where they just like take like the drumstick, they stick it in their mouth, they pull it out and all you see is the bone. He's like, you know what I mean? He was like, he was like a, he was like a fucking chicken hoover. Uh, double fist and rotisserie chickens. Yeah. Double fist and rotisserie chickens. Uh, that's like a dance song. Double fist and rotisserie chicken. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's gonna get weird, Jake. It's gonna get weird. We got Neil. What the fuck's up, Neil? Uh, you know, same old shit, right? <laughs> Same old shit, different fucking day. Man, Neil Tholander from the Smorgasbork podcast. What's going on over at Smorgasbork? Uh, some fun stuff recently. Uh, we got to interview John Billingsley from Star Trek Enterprise uh, last week. That was super fun. He played Dr. Flox on that show. My uh, then, uh, My third favorite Billingsley. <laughs> <laughs> my number one favorite billingsley peter billingsley ah. yeah yeah uh, that's the uh 
That's the uh, shoot his eye out. Yeah, the uh, Christmas kid. What the fuck is <laughs> Christmas story. Christmas story. Christmas story. My, my, hold on, hold on. Not done with my Billingsley list here. My second favorite Billingsley, Barbara Billingsley from Leave It to Beaver. 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 The mother. I'm tired. The Beaver. Leave It to Beaver. Barbara Billingsley. That's a tongue twister. That's a tongue twister. Barbara. She played June Cleaver on Leave It to Beaver. Barbara Billingsley. Nice. Yeah, that's my no relation. No relation. Completely. <laughs> these these are all separate Billingsleys. Yep. Yep. Do you have a number four? Jake, it's only a top three, man. Don't get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! How many? That's the only three Billingsleys I know. <laughs> you name you know fucking name though. me a fourth. Name me a fourth fucking Billingsley. <laughs> I was going to be impressed. I couldn't even have done one. I know. I, you should have been fucking blown away by the fact that I knew two others. I, I was. I was. <laughs> you know, but you're asking for too much. Now you're going for a fourth. <laughs> what do you expect out of me? <laughs> All the Billingsies. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyway, everyone, everything out of me. All the buildings, please. All right, what do we got here? Welcome, Neil. That's very exciting that you guys got that interview. How'd you pull that off? Uh, I was drunk and contacted him on Twitter, and he responded. (laughs) I I bet there's a lot of those stories in your lifetime, Neil. (laughs) There are, actually. (laughs) I just kind of, when I get drunk sometimes, I just kind of go off and do weird shit and sometimes it pays off mm-hmm. like this time Very <laughs> sometimes cool. it definitely does not pay off but this time it did <laughs> did you uh did you tweet him or did you slip into his dms no i tweeted at him all right. was like hey i want to talk we want to talk to you about stuff and he responded and listen i got turned down by my other two favorite billings lees you're third on my <laughs> list will you be on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know June Cleaver, but you know, fuck it, let's do this. <laughs> he, he was super fun to talk to. Uh, hilarious guy, absolute sweetheart. And he's doing a lot of really good charity work, uh, feeding unhoused people and whatnot. So he, he's he's a really cool guy. Is that the correct term, the PC term for homeless people now, unhoused people? <laughs> um, it's a more uncompetent all-encompassing term okay uh, some people are like temporarily uh without a home i was being uh, serious jake man i don't know dude I, I thought it was a great question yeah i'd never heard that term either yeah it's it's just more of it's more all-encompassing without the stigma attached to it okay there we go the more you know star yeah. just flew over our fucking podcast you know <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want PCL getting canceled and throwing the homeless word around. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we will be talking about Godzilla versus Kong at the end of the podcast. I will be putting in a timestamp in the episode show notes so you can jump straight there. Oh, I know, I know. I, I'm giving you a timestamp. It's at the end of the podcast. It's going to be easy for me to see. What the fucking timestamp is. I'm not going to be giving you timestamps for every little fucking topic uh, we talk about so you can fuck off about that. And you can fuck off if you want to call me out on this shit, you glorified podcast hall monitor cunt. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to put a timestamp in this motherfucker and you're going to fucking deal with it. Half the time you're bitching that I don't put them in. Now I'm going to put one in. Now you're going to say something about it. Go, fuck off. 
<laughs> so uh, no Billingsley power rankings timestamp? No Billingsley timestamps at all. None. Zero. <laughs> Just the timestamp for the fucking Godzilla versus Kong shit if you want to hear it that way. Because we're, we're going to get into spoilers on that one too. So there, there's your little timestamp. It's, it's, it's a once in a lifetime little thing. We do it every, every great once in a while I'll do a timestamp. And then I got to hear from other people. I thought you don't do those. Like, God damn it. Shut up. Shut up. Just shut up for once. Internet, shut the fuck up. Do me a solid and fucking jump off a cliff. Christ. Well, those people, those people aren't going to hear you say this now because you're going to give them the timestamp and they're going to skip this part. Uh, no, they, 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 they heard it. They fucking heard it. <laughs> oh. Mm. Let's jump into iTunes. Oh, I don't even have the fucking bumpers pulled up. That's how tired I am this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, sing the bumper. No. That's the last thing I need. Uh, one star, five. Oh, yeah. They're great. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, time for iTunes reviews. It's one star, five. All right, what do we got here? Got an iTunes review here from Pussycat Pack. Pussycat Pack. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, sir. Hey, Neil, is that the PC term for a pussy pack? I don't know what I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck not? <laughs> it's actually a vagina cat pack, Brian. Vagina feline carrier. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I have been. Oh, it, it's uh, titled, and I think what they 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 listened to the episode where we talked about Shailene Woodley talking about put uh, getting some uh, getting some sun sunshine on your vagina. But I think and I think that's what they meant here. It's titled "Stay Healthy." It's I think it's supposed to say "Tan Your Vagina," but. It, it fucking says, stay healthy, tan your virgin. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure your virgins are getting plenty of vitamin D, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, get them out of the basement and yeah. give them a tan. Get, you know, get some sun on those virgins. <laughs> that's, we need, that's weird. Uh, I've been a listener to your podcast for the past four years. You guys are amazing. Mostly Brian. LOL, thank you. What? I'm not, I'm not making that up. LOL, thank you for this amazing podcast. You make the beginning of my week. Mostly Brian, Jake. How does that make you feel, sir? I like it. I, I like it when people really appreciate you. It, it's a rarity, isn't it? Yeah. It, it really I, is. Yeah, 0% jealousy. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's much needed. It's much needed. I was... Oh man, it's much needed for all the hate that I get. It's nice to hear that people, and it's nice to hear that the people are getting out there tanning their virgins. That's always oh, a, yes, I worry yeah. about the virgins. I'm like you know, like I'm like the Bob Barker of like you know, spayed and neutering when it comes to tanning your virgins. Like that's my thing. Bob Barker, he's like all about you know getting the cats and dogs spayed and neutered. I'm all about tanning virgins. All right, don't <laughs> don't forget to tan your virgin. 
Oh yeah. yeah. If I see a pale virgin, I start making retching noises. Oh man, I <laughs> I start. I don't. Man, I wouldn't go. That's that's. I I I I, uh, I do like to uh, kind of like direct them to the local tanning salon. Is what I like to do. You know, maybe pay for that first visit. You know what I mean? That's what I I'm like to do. I'm too disgusted to be helpful like you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's sickening, Jake. That's sickening. You shouldn't be doing that. This is dumb. Um, what do we got here? Oh, uh, I got another one here from uh, Robert Cop. From Robert Cop. It's not RoboCop. It's Robert Cop. <laughs> Bob Cop. Bob Cop. <laughs> 15 stars and counting is the title. It's a five star. Start asking people if you see their phone for a second. I will offend again. So basically, this is 15 stars and counting. This this person's left. This is their third review under somebody else's phone. He's just grabbing uh, phones and hitting five stars. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, can I see your phone for a second? And then he gets on iTunes, writes an asinine review, and then... And then it gives us the five. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. Continue to do what you're doing. I want to see. I would, make it to 20. Yeah, fucking A. Make it to 100. Fucking A. <laughs> fucking A is right, Jake. Right. Wow. Wow, Jake. You took control of that, man. <laughs> I fucking, I rolled over on my tummy there for a moment. Yeah, you just wanted him to add five stars. Fuck that, man. Jake's like, no, 100. I demand, I demand 100. <laughs> While you're at it, make some shitty Facebook post for whoever's phone you're grabbing. Yeah. That's yeah. always a fun trick, right? Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Let, make, make the internet a fun place. That's right. Because, you know, there's not enough of that shit going around, Jake. <laughs> fucking internet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nothing less toxic than the internet. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. The fucking internet. You fucking people on the fucking internet. I'm telling you. Those are iTunes reviews, gentlemen. Woo! <laughs> Party time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real barn burner this time. <laughs> that was fine. Yeah. Oh shit, man! I have nothing. I have nothing ready to go. We gotta go. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go over the winners to uh, Joe Joe Stark's "I Become Death" contest. I don't have anything loaded up, ready to go, dude. I'm just like so out of it this episode. You think Joe Stark entered his own contest to he win did. his own book? <laughs> Why would you ask me? Like I look at, I can see who everyone is. Uh, and he did enter. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Oh my gosh, what a glut! He did not. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's silly. All right. Last week uh, we uh, we we had we announced the contest for Joe Stark's book. I become death. And right now I'm going to give out the winners and I'll be able to send you the codes tomorrow. So here are five winners for Joe Stark's audio book. I become death available on audio, uh, audible. And, uh, you can also, I think it's also, he said on iTunes, is it available on iTunes as well? Yeah, yeah I believe so on iTunes audiobooks. There you go. All right. First winner, Monica Garola. She wins everything. Jesus Christ. Yes, yes she does. <laughs> Here we go. Number two. Nicholas Santones. Nicholas Santones. That's a new name. I don't recognize that one. Oh, we've said him before. You're out of your mind. You probably weren't here. You probably, you probably wouldn't hear that week. Taking your fucking week off or whatever the fuck you do. <laughs> Larry Mayday. Number three. 
Who do we have number four? Nice. Alfredo Tostado. New Taco Bell that special. Sounds like, <laughs> I have to say that sounds like an Italian Mexican dish. I've said that before, Neil. That is not, you are not the first person to say that. <laughs> it's like you can it's get. It's gotta be an alias, right? You can fucking order this at Olive Garden. You can get it at Taco Bell. It doesn't matter. The Alfredo Tostado. You know, it tastes like shit at, a, at each, at each place. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I got it, it was undercooked. They fucked it up. Uh, Alfredo Tostado. And let's see here. Number five. Who's the final winner here? Jason Feld. Jason Feld. You win. So there's our five winners for I Become Death. Thank you, Joe, for donating those codes. I will get the codes sent out to everyone tomorrow. That is awesome. All right. Let's see here. What do I got next? Oh, I want to thank Stephen Farshid, your, uh, your co-host on Smorgasbord yeah. for the, uh, this week's intro. Uh, he got, uh, Randall Park to, uh, do an intro for Pop Culture Leftovers. So thank you, Steven. Oh, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Steven. Fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Very fucking cool. Oh, man. I'm, Jake, I'm, dude, I'm, fa- I'm falling asleep, dude. No! <laughs> fucking, dude, it's like I'm fucking dying here. I'm getting in my car. I'm bringing you some espresso. Oh, my God. I need, what are those, what are those fucking things that they put on your chest? When you're fucking defibrillator. Defibrillator? Yeah, that's what I need. <laughs> Clear! <laughs> that's what I need. I need a fucking, I need that and like a line of cocaine. And we're good to go. Well, I'm certified to use defibrillators and I know a coke guy, so I got your back. Sweet. Uh, I did, I- Make sure you get, make sure you do it in the right order. <laughs> what is the right order? Not the coke first. Okay. Let's try that, man. Let's do that. Let's do it. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, alright. Fuck it, let's do it live. I ordered, I ordered, have you heard of that new pasta that, that this guy designed to be the perfect pasta? Mm Mm-mm. Cascatelli? You haven't heard of Cascatelli? I have not. What's the shape, or is it all shapes? Cascatelli. No, it's, it's supposed to be a, it's by Sporkful and it was, let's see here, I'm looking it up. It's, it's expensive. I fucking, and it's, there's a, like a 12 week wait right now for it. Um, it was from the Mind of James Beard award winner Dan Pashman, creator and host of the Sporkful Food Podcast, comes Cascatelli, Italian for waterfalls. Three years in the making, this brand new shape was created in collaboration with the artisans at Sfaglini, Cascatelli is designed to maximize the three qualities by which Dan believes all pasta shapes should be judged. Number one, sauceability. How readily sauce adheres to the shape. Forkability. <laughs> it reminds me of fuckability. <laughs> Forkability. How easy it is to get the shape on your fork and keep it there. Tooth. Sinkability. How satisfying it is to sink your teeth into. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna. They look like the tops of candy canes, kinda. It's curved like that, but it's got like, it's got like a lasagna kinda like ridge, ridges to it on each side. And it's got like, yeah, in the middle there's, looks like it can collect a lot of sauce. 
giving it that Cascatelli waterfall action that we're looking for. Half tube and ruffles create a sauce trow for max sauceability. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they got it on fucking graph paper and shit on the website. <laughs> oh damn. What did I? I bought. I bought. Did I buy the four pack or something? I don't know what I bought. I bought, I bought some of it. It's like eighteen bucks. Seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. Holy crap. I know. I don't know why I fucking did this. I have, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. It's just fucking pasta. Like, why the fuck am I doing this? But you pay eighteen bucks for pasta, and then they tell you to try it with ragu. That seems kind of fucked up. That's true. What, what What do you get? What do you get? I don't know, but you would think you'd get some like fancy shit if you're going to pay eighteen bucks for the pasta. Yeah, but okay. I was just asking what you would get. What do you get, Neil? Uh, Newman's makes a pretty good pasta sauce. They There's do a, quite a few varieties. I just picked I'm up. All, I picked up a three pack of Classico. Nice. That's a good one, too. Yeah. They have, like, a roasted red pepper and garlic or something that's really good. I love Newman's. Yeah. yeah Newman's is good. Newman's makes really good shit. I love their salad dressing. I always get their salad dressing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their, their Italian dressing is second to none. This fucking... Actually, this pasta looks like something that you'd see in a fucking, like, uh, Aliens movie. Like a face hugger. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it looks like this thing could come out of your body. Like, you know what I mean? Like they got <laughs> they got you like on a table in a sci-fi movie and all of a sudden like they're doing an incision on your dead body and all of a sudden like this little fucking thing comes out. And they're like, "Ah," and it starts going all over the fucking the, you know, the little fucking area that they got you in. The little operating room. It's like oh, shit. and they're trying yeah, to catch right. it. Doesn't it? Yeah. Huh. yeah. This looks like a fucking HR Geiger design, Jake. It does. It does. <laughs> oh wow! I I'm curious what you think about it. 18 minutes cook time. That's long for a pasta. 18 minutes cook time, and I gotta wait 12 weeks for this fucking thing. 12 Jeez. weeks, dude. It's Jesus. Yeah, it's because it like they everybody's been like ordering it because it's like this. It's supposed to be this new perfect pasta. <laughs> so yeah, people are getting all stupid about it, and, and then I got I I fed into the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know what I'm talking about. It's dumb. <laughs> Cascatelli, Italian for waterfalls. Yeah, I said that earlier. You're saying that like it's new. I don't understand why they named it after. Like, what does it even have to do with waterfalls? It's Italian for waterfall, and it looks like it kind of looks like a waterfall. Kind of okay. does. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go chasing Cascatelli. Listen to, <laughs> just stick to the Newmans and the Prego. I don't know what the fuck. Just wait eight <laughs> to twelve weeks, like you're used to. Oh god. Oh my god. All right. You know what? Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back. <laughs> you know what? I think we've learned our lesson this episode, Jake. That it just should not happen. So, <laughs> oh man, some of my favorite episodes are when one of us is just so fucking tired, dude. I'm fucking, I'm fucking dead. Like, There's oh my god, where, where both of us were super fucking tired. I remember it went off the rails. There is nothing I want more right now than to leave and just go lay down on my bed. <laughs> I want, I want nothing more. 
Oh my god, me in my bed right now. Oh my god. Ah, Italian for sleep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> Cascatelli. <laughs> <laughs> the forkability. <laughs> Ew, double pork ragu? That's what I'm saying. Oh, hold on, number one, yeah, it's ragu, I get it. But like, number two, it, double pork? <laughs> double pork fucking Whoa, well, isn't single pork enough? <laughs> You've gotta go double pork? <laughs> Ew, God. <laughs> well, that's just not enough pork. We gotta pork it up. We gotta get double pork in this. That's just <laughs> double pork. <laughs> double. What the fuck? I didn't even know they made double pork. Ew! I didn't either. Double double pork. I'm looking this up. Double pork ragu. Ew! It's not the brand ragu. What? It's the style of sauce. Ragu was a kind of sauce. Oh, excuse the fuck out of me, Bobby Flay. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Neil's like all offended over there. (laughs) Because we're ignorant to double pork. (laughs) I thought double pork was like a porn thing. (laughs) Also a Klingon thing. Oh my god, no, I didn't get that. I have no idea. (laughs) I I didn't get it. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Well, you know, there's this whole thing about Klingons having two dicks. So, there you go. Do they? Maybe. It's never been confirmed nor denied. 50 years or plus of Star Trek and we can't fucking uh, get an answer to this? Because <laughs> there, there was a throwaway line in one episode of The Next Generation where Dr. Crusher said that all Klingons have two of every organ. It was after Worf got attacked by a big blue barrel. So. Sorry I asked. Yeah, I thought we were going to take a break. <laughs> I <don't, with> <laughs> mm. We'll be right back with less Klingon organ talk. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a talking to with Neil. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be jumping into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode three talk. But Jake, you know what that means? I'm scared. Why are you scared? Uh, I'm going to make a fool of myself again. (laughs) In the tradition of great duos like the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I am playing theme songs 
of TV shows that also have great duos. And here is this week's, and whoever can guess it, it's the big winner. You got bragging rights. Bragging rights out the wazoo. And you'll win, you will win a box of Cascatelli. Cascatelli pasta. Oh, shit. And now oh, damn. That shit's like gold. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forkability, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Dirty. Here we go. Here we go. This is this week's, this week's, uh, theme song starring a great duo. Here we go. Is it? Is it? Is it Blue Falcon and Dynamite? No. <laughs> is it Starsky and Hutch? No, it is not Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> oh, I hate this game. <laughs> yeah, no way. I'm gonna let it play through. Sounds like it's before my time. Woo! Is it Green Green Hornet? No! <laughs> no! Neil, do you have any guesses? Um. <laughs> ran for seven. I'll give you some. Ran for seven seasons. Seven seasons. Seven seasons from 1984 to 1991. Oh, shit. Hold on. I'll, I'll play it again. Maybe it'll ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, can you play the middle part again? <laughs> can you repeat the clues again? <laughs> Ran from oh, 1984 to 1991, a total of seven seasons. So you can't tell me that it didn't have a long running. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Stars Fred Dyer and Stephanie Kramer. Hunter. Hunter was the, was the show. I've never even heard of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Hunter is a renegade cop who bends the rules and takes justice into his own hands. Partnered with the equally stunning and rebellious Sergeant McCall, the tough-minded duo set out to crack down on L.A.'s slimiest of criminals. That's Hunter, starring Fred Dyer and Stephanie Kramer. Ran for seven seasons. I'm going to argue that they're not that great of a duo if Hunter's the only one that gets title credit. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to argue that you still don't get any Cascatelli, sir. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Try and find the most obscure thing so you wouldn't have to give any of your pasta away. 
<laughs> it yeah, ran, for, ran for seven seasons! <laughs> seven fucking seasons! Did you think either of us were actually going to get that? Fuck no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> Fuck no! I, I I knew I knew my pasta was safe. <laughs> I had no. <laughs> that was a bad faith bet. <laughs> oh man! I hate this game. <laughs> I like. What I'm a... so bad at that fucking theme songs anyway. They're like, yeah, that. <laughs> Not my game either. Yeah, unless there's... Never have I been more glad that this show's only six episodes. <laughs> oh, and I'm only doing it for five of them. Yeah, so that's that's the best thing about this. Yeah, we're halfway through this nightmare, Jake. We we only have <laughs> <laughs> we only have. <laughs> oh, just wait till next week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck you guys up next week. Oh, oh you're not no. even here next week. Yeah. <laughs> Escape. You should send it to me and make me feel stupid anyway. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> You'll shazam it. Ooh, I know it. <laughs> no, pasta, motherfucker. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I don't have two devices, so I can't play it out of one device and shazam with the other. That'd be difficult. All right. I didn't want to get into all like, the technical details of how that actually gets done. <laughs> that's fine, Jake. I mean, that's that's what you're here for. Uh, no, I, no pasta's up for grabs next week, I'll tell you that much. All right, last week we discussed if John Walker had been injected with the super soldier serum, and uh, this week in an interview with the rap, Wyatt Russell confirmed that his character has not been enhanced with the serum. He said, there's elements to him where he wants to be able to do it without the super soldier uh, serum, just be that good. He does have those ideas in his head of wanting to be of wanting people to like him, like his version of Captain America, it sort of gets rained on and causes him to have to rethink how things are going to be done. Now, does that mean that he might change his mind and, and want to take this serum? Does that quote mean that it says that there's elements of uh, of him wanting to be able to do it without the super soldier serum and then basically he wants people to like his version of Captain America and that gets, he says it gets sort of rained on and causes him to have to rethink how things are going to be done. Does that mean that he would consider if he could take the serum, we might see this character take the serum in one of the last three episodes? I think there's a high chance that that happens. Maybe really he feels do. like he's outmatched. By the flag smashers, man, that he needs an edge. Like, you know, he's like, he feels like he's Lance Armstrong. He realizes he only has <laughs> one ball and he needs an edge. So and I also feel like, like you pointed on the, the lack of respect is, is the yeah. biggest factor, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he really does want to fulfill this role as best as he can, but he's getting handed loss after loss. Mm hmm. So, in order to overcome that, he, he, it seems like he, he would be, as a character, he would be very much interested in, in accentuating his, his attributes in the future. Didn't it feel, though, okay, and uh, like jumping into this episode a little bit, didn't it feel, though, like, even in that fight 
that we got on top of the trucks last week, didn't it feel like once, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like Bucky went into like winter soldier mode this episode or pretended to, mm-hmm. but it, didn't it feel like he would just was fighting with different ferocity than he did even on the truck? Like he just, it yeah. feels like two different. I just, I don't, I don't feel like he really brought it on top of that truck, even though those were super soldiers that he was talking, uh, that he was fighting. People that were, you know, superhuman. Yeah, it's like he went into another place. Yeah. To be able to be Winter Soldier. Like he knew he really had to ramp it up or, or they wouldn't be believing him. Yeah, and I know you can make the argument that, yeah, he was, you know, fighting against people that weren't enhanced in, in, in Madripoor, but. I don't know. It just felt like the ferocity. Everything was just different. It was just, it was different. Now, okay. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to agree with you that yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to think that maybe the whole uh, interaction with Zemo may have brought something out in him. Maybe not even subconsciously, but just like semi-consciously. Right. Where he was kind of just angry that he was, he had put himself in this situation and he was having to deal with this bullshit again. And so that like that was causing him to lash out a little bit more and revert back to some of those prior behaviors. Part of me was just like thinking like maybe he's, I mean, we had that scene with Zemo where he like, you know, said the words Joe even said, like, could we get a scene of that? And it happened. And Zemo said, I still see a little trace of it in you. You know, looking into his eyes. And I feel like, dude, I feel like there's still a lot more that needs to be done with him because it's still there, man. Like there's, there was something going on in that scene there. And even Sam looked at him differently after that fight. He like, he's like, you good? And he's, <laughs> and you know, cause I think he scared Sam. I think he legit yeah. scared Sam. And I think that that may, that might be a talk that they have later in a future episode. Like once everything kind of like, you know, like they're right now they're involved in some heavy shit that they're working out, but like maybe when they have a time to like breathe and they can sit back and maybe talk to each other. And I know that they're like not getting along with one another hundred percent right now. They still haven't resolved those issues, but like, I feel like there's gotta be a part of Sam that's like, dude, I need to talk, I need to talk to Bucky. There's still something going on within him for him to act that way. Like that was, that was insane. They were even playing like the fucking like winter soldier score when he was fucking going off, man. And, and like this show feels like it's going to get a second season to me just because of how much they're delving into backstory and motivations be, for both of these characters. It, it feels like it, it, this is the right fit for them to do these hour long episodes, um, you know, six of them at a time, you know, every couple mm-hmm. of years or so yeah. just just to kind of flesh them out, because obviously they haven't gotten much a whole lot of screen time in the movies. Um, yeah. And yeah. This show is really, really doing a great job of, of helping establish their motivations and you know, it's just what makes them tick as, as people. I would agree with that. I think like out of like the shows that have been announced, um, I think like if any of the shows deserve to get like a, like a second season, like this would be the one that I could probably yeah, yeah. like, I would bet money. I would, Bet a box of Cascatelli pasta <laughs> that we would get a second season. So you don't really think they're going to have a second season? 
do I have to play that song again, Jake? Do I have? Do no, I have, no. <laughs> I'm gonna hear that thing in my nightmares, dude. I like as soon when I picked that fucking show, I was like, "There's no way these motherfuckers are gonna get this." You were laughing like fucking Doctor Doom and shit. I was, dude. Oh, have you man. ever seen that show, Hunter? Have you gotten that? I I I I remember episodes when I was a kid. I remember seeing it on TV. Absolutely, I remember. I I wasn't like an avid watcher of Hunter. <laughs> so if I'd have pulled that song out of my ass, you you would have known, dude. I would have been like, if I if I would have heard that song, I would have I I would have been like, oh my god, I know this, I know this, I know this, I know this. I don't know if I would have gotten it though. Okay. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. Because I remember, I do remember the show Hunter. And as soon as I did play the theme song, it came back to me. But if I, if somebody would have just played that song out of nowhere, I might not have been able to put the two together. (laughs) (laughs) But if you you play the Rockford files, I'm, I'm on it. I know it. I know the Rockford Files. Yeah, the Rockford Files. Files, that would be the one where it's like, oh, I know this song, but I probably still wouldn't be able to name it. Oh, I would name it in a heartbeat. I would name it. Rockford Files got a great fucking theme song. Um, before James Garner, right? James Garner, yeah. Before I forget, I, I want to. I want us to rate it here in a moment. But before I forget, I was talking about you know if John Walker takes the serum, like if if this guy feels like he needs an edge now. Um, after reading White Russell's quote, I think like this definitely could happen. This could be something that we see happen in the series that he gets his hands on the serum. He, he takes it that way he can compete with the flag smashers. Remember, and I know that this is a new optimized serum. They talked about it with the, with Nagel, the, the new scientist that's on this, that he worked on a new serum. This new serum doesn't like make you like a, like a muscular hulking guy. Like it doesn't like turn like, you know, like we saw Steve, puny Steve. Right. And then he turns into like, you know, muscle bound, jacked, you know, uh, Captain America. Yeah. And, and so this is a new optimized serum. So you look. I mean, when, when, when Bucky sees the girl in the truck, you know, when he sees Carly for the first time, he thinks that she's a hostage, has no idea that she's got like this, like this superhuman strength that she's been injected with the serum. And so, you know, looks may be deceiving with this new optimized serum. And, but remember in the first Avenger, Stanley Tucci's character of Dr. Erskine was talking about his super soldier serum and how it amplifies all the qualities of the person that's taking the serum. And that also includes their bad qualities. And so basically what I'm saying is, I don't know. I would happen to guess that like that would still probably be the case here. Um, with even with this new optimized serum, because I, I think like we get, we get John Walker injected with this serum. If it does happen, we've started to see the bad qualities of this new Captain America bleed through in this episode. Like, like in this new episode, like, you know, he's so arrogant, you know, when he's, uh, yeah, yeah. do you know who I am? You know, like, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and I can see like, if he gets injected with this serum that, yeah, he does. I'm sure he's got some good qualities, but I could also see his bad qualities kind of taking over here, especially after this quote of like, he 
wants people to like him. And it sounds like maybe people won't. Maybe people are going to turn on him. And so maybe his bad qualities are going to shine through if he does take the serum. So I'm just throwing that out there that that's something that we could see happen here is like, you know, somebody trying to do something for good, but then it's it's the wrong match. It's the wrong match. This is not the right person to be getting the serum and his bad qualities are going to take over and we might see him do some really shitty stuff here. Yeah, yeah. It just pushes him into being a straight up villain at that point. Yeah, it's possible. Did U.S. Agent get the serum in the comics? I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, Jake, yeah. like the the original was like like uh, he was like a wrestler, right? They they did it with a bunch of wrestlers, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, um, he and and I think we thought at first that they weren't going to follow that storyline from the comics like they weren't gonna have him take the serum but i feel like it's after this you know most recent interview with the rap like it could lead into that possibly and even like if they do decide to do a second season they could save that for the sixth episode and turn him into the villain for a season two that's true. This could be like a flag smashers thing and they could set him up for season two to be like the big dude i like that yeah, yeah. I hope he doesn't just get written off by the end of this series. I, it's a really rich character, and I think you could do a lot with him. I like that a lot, Neil. Like this season has to deal with like the flag smashers, maybe some unresolved stuff, of course, with Zemo going mm-hmm. forward. Um, do you think they're going to spin Zemo off into the Thunderbolts? I do. Yeah, I do. Even more so now after this episode, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've always and I said this last week that I thought that maybe we might see General Ross show up at like the end of some of these shows and movies and start recruiting the Thunderbolts, kind of like we saw the recruitment of the Avengers in, in Phase One. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see the Avengers versus the Thunderbolts eventually. In, like, yeah, a big event. yeah, yeah, and maybe you know Thunderbolts win, and that's why we have the Young Avengers. That'd be. That would be fucking sick. That would be sick. Oh, shit. Um, Oh, before we rate it, I also wanted to point out that if you go back and listen to our Disney Day Investors episode where I broke down the trailer and talked about theories for the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I did say that I do believe that uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier would be working with Baron Zemo and possibly break him out of jail. And we kind of saw that happen in this episode, although it was – just Bucky that broke him out of jail, but that did happen, Jake. I was right when it came to something, so that makes me feel good. You were. Yeah, that was awesome. Great prediction. Good call. Good call. Let's rate this one. Let's rate this one. Um, I personally am going to give this episode a Tupperware because I I loved – first off, okay – it's, all these episodes are directed by Carrie Scogland, but this episode was written by Derek Kolstad. And if you know Derek Kolstad, uh, he's the creator of the John Wick franchise. And um, you could definitely feel a lot of John Wick influence when they went to Madripoor. And um, yeah, I mean, I literally like as soon as like everybody was like sent to hunt them down, I was thinking, oh, my God, this is so John Wick. And, that, you know, it makes sense with Derek Kolstad being the guy behind it. I give it a Tupperware because I loved everything that happened once we got into Madripoor. 
Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I did want more of John Walker in this episode. We got very little, and I did want more of John Walker in this episode. But that aside, we're going to get that. We're going to get that, and I'll talk about that here in a moment from a rumor that I heard um, on Reddit. But, uh, man, I, I really enjoyed this episode quite a bit. I, I got to give it a Tupperware. I think that uh, we're halfway through the series, and... Jake, I think like, you know, I had theories lined up last week. I thought like, I'm talking about like how, you know, the, the flag smashers, are they sympathetic characters? I was thinking to, I was thinking that basically like they had learned about like, of like this, like this man-made virus that was going to get re- released and they stole these vaccines and that were originally supposed to go to people in power and they were going to give them to, you know, people that uh, were less fortunate, um, the, the unhoused, as Neil might call them. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm such a dick. It's <laughs> a great <laughs> callback. <laughs> I am such a dick. But I, I thought that that's what their purpose was going to be. And I thought it was going to make these characters more sympathetic. Honestly, by the end of this episode, I'm, I'm, throwing that all out the window because like they let people innocent people die uh, well carly margenthal does and and i'm looking at her more of like not like a sympathetic hero possibly in disguise and that's what i was thinking they were going to do like that's what she was in in star wars jake she, in emphasis ness we thought emphasis ness is like like the villain. Like I thought like this is another show or slash movie like she was in where she wore a mask, they unmask her, she's a girl, and and and, and she's not we think she's the bad guy, and now she's not the bad guy. Just like Enfys Nest in 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 the Han Solo movie. That, I don't think they're going that route. She might just be a fucking straight up villain now, dude. Yeah, I could see it too. Do you think Car- her letting those people die goes back to what you were saying earlier about the super serum still having the ability to kind of amplify the worst aspects that are inside of you? Do you think like a if she didn't have the super serum inside of her, would she not be as cutthroat? That might be definitely a part of it. And then also lead into like if John Walker takes it as well, you know, kind of like, yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I, th- I think, um, I think it is amplifying that she's not, she's not, she's not seen clearly. I think maybe before she took the serum, she would not have done something like that, but now she's willing yeah, to do whatever it takes. What she's doing is very noble, but the, the means that she's going about right. it is, is yeah. very super villain level. They're calling her Robin Hood. The people yeah. that are protecting her are calling her Robin Hood. And like that, you know, when you say something like that, that has like a good, you know, like, like that, 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 you think that that's a good thing. She's like stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. That's a good, noble thing. Uh, yeah, but she lets some innocent, innocent people die here at the end. That's, that's, that's not heroic. That's pretty fucked up. That's terrorism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, and I don't even know about this, this virus anymore. It just might be, she might have just stole it might just be super soldier serum that we're looking at that she stole from the power broker. Now guys, yeah, let's get, I want, I want to get your ratings and then we'll, we'll unpack this more. Neil, what did you think about this episode? Yeah, I love this episode. Uh, I'll give it a Tupperware as well. I, I get, I would give the la- the second episode a Tupperware too. Yeah. The first one was a high tasted for me. Um, just cause it was all set up really. And, um, 
that it, now that the show is going, it's I'm totally in on it. I love how different it is from WandaVision. I love the fact that the theories aren't as out there. Um, like it, it's all, it's a very, it's a much more grounded show, even though, we're, you know, obviously we're dealing with super soldiers and serums and whatnot, but it does, it just, just has a, a more grounded feel. And like you said, the whole Magipur section really had that John Wick feel. And I, I really, really appreciated that. I also love Sharon Carter as a character mm. and that actor. Mm. She, she's great too. Yeah. So seeing her uh, kick some serious ass was phenomenal. And I'm going to go on a very sturdy limb here and say she is not the power broker. Uh, I think that's a asinine theory. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm all in on this show. I, I think it's fucking great. I love the dynamic between, uh, Bucky and Sam, and then you add Zemo in there and like <laughs> the three of them are, are great together. Th- those three actors are, they, they play off each other really, really well. And it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, what did you think, man? Yeah. I'm right there with Neil. This, this is my favorite episode of the series so far. It's definitely a Tupperware. Um, yeah, it just echoes so much of what Neil said. I, I loved the three of them together and the chemistry of them together. I got total fucking geek bumps when we got to see Zemo fucking don the purple mask yeah. finally. I mean, that was just, <laughs> oh, I've been wanting that for so long. <laughs> I I also fucking just love the Sharon Carter stuff. Honestly, I think that is maybe the most violent fight scene we've seen in any Marvel property. Is her just, I mean, I really saw, I didn't know about the John Wick connection, but I really see it now with just how they wrote her kicking just so much fucking ass, just violently fucking dudes up. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it was a Marvel show. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'm sure she had the, you know, and she did have good hand to hand combat skills before, but like this is like on another level now that she's been living in Madripoor. Yeah. Yeah, I was super impressed with both the character and the actor. So now she's basically like an art dealer and stealing art and and then selling it. So, yeah, I thought that that was that was interesting living in high town and um got some real uh real anger towards the Avengers and Bucky yeah. and <laughs> Sam and Cap himself, honestly. So she got yeah. fucked by them. Basically. She really did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, do you, do you think Sam's going to be able to get her the, the pardon? I'm guessing no. I don't think this is going to have a happy ending. And I, I disagree with Neil. I think there is a good chance that Sharon Carter could be a bad guy. Well, well no, maybe a bad guy, she, but yeah, the power broker. I don't think she's the power broker either. I, we had okay. a big discussion about this on the discord before <laughs> on the PCL discord before, like, you know, and, and people were saying, I think Sharon Carter is the power broker. Now here's my, here's my big argument with that is the fact that like, yes, she is aware that they're in Madripoor. We see her throw the hood up over her head in the bar. The next thing, the power broker is like, we see like, you know, on the wall and graffiti power broker is watching power broker. Everything goes through the power broker in Madripoor. So basically that, you know, we talk, you know, Zemo says, yes, you know, every, every, you know, kingdom has its King or whatever. And he's talking about the power broker. So as, so Sharon Carter's the one that kills Selby. 
And then we in- instantly see a text go to everybody in Madripoor basically saying that there's a bounty on Zemo and the Winter Soldier and Smiling Tiger. And if she's the power broker, she basically just sent a bunch of people to go kill the three people now that she's protecting throughout the end of the episode, which makes no sense to me if she's the power broker. I do think that the power broker is somebody that we do know from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it's a character that we've seen before or that we're familiar with, but I don't think it's Sharon Carter. And if it's Sharon Carter, they've got a Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Cause like, I do not <laughs> understand why she would be protecting the same people that also you're putting a bounty on to have hunted down and killed. It just doesn't make sense to me. I guess it could be that she was trying to get their trust or something, but that just seems way overly complicated. It does. For yeah. A six episode series. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Why fight so hard to protect them? Just let them die at that point. Mm. The power yeah. And then you're killing people that are doing, you know, what you told them to job. do. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. I, as far as like my power broker, um, predictions, and these are these are crazy, and they're all out of left field. I would say uh, Justin Hammer, uh, you know um, Sam Rockwell's character. That would be awesome. Uh, my and then my two wild theories would be Red Skull, and then my last one would be <laughs> my last one would be Jeff Goldblum as Grandmaster. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I do want to see Sam Rockwell come back at some point because, he, he, I mean, it's Sam Rockwell. He's fucking amazing. It sounds uh, like does, – does, does it feel like he could show up as Power Broker or does it make more sense that he would show up in Armor Wars? It, I'm thinking Armor Wars. So Armor Wars makes more back. sense to me. It does, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know who the Power Broker is. It almost makes no is, sense but... for him not to show up in Armor Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's kind of what his thing is, right? Like, he was competing against Tony Stark, which is about armor, and then they're fighting. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that makes – that's a logical way for him to come back to the show. Right. To the universe. Um, I mean, I, I don't have any real definitive theories of who the power broker could be at all. Uh, I'm Sam's trying to think sister. Of- <laughs> I do think that could be like a Wakandan, um, like uh, the Daniel Kaluuya character, uh, Wakabi, I think would be interesting. Or maybe even um, uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character. But that seems a little too dark for her. Yeah, I I can't see her. Power Broker is doing some real evil shit, dude. And she's like, yeah, she's, she was working heavily with the Avengers in Endgame. Yeah. But I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know what, what's happened with Wakanda in the six months since everybody came back or anything. So maybe things have changed. I mean, again, we don't know enough about this to <laughs> really nail it down or anything, but I do think a Wakandan would be interesting, um, to, ha- to be the power broker. I, Especially with uh, what's her name showing up at the end, um, Io is that her I, character's name? Yeah, I 
I, I do not agree with that theory at all. I think that is, that is the one thing that it will never happen, that the power broker is Wakandan. Io showed up because she's, she hates Zemo because Zemo was yeah. the one who set up Bucky as the killer of T'Chaka and it was, it was Zemo all along who was yeah, yeah. doing all of this to, you know, basically dismantle and have the Avengers start the civil war amongst themselves. And I mean, I mean, it was T'Challa who basically stopped Zemo from shooting himself in the head and killing himself. And then, you know, T'Challa was the one who basically had, had him sent away to prison. And to have this guy out free and on the loose again, uh, that's not going to sit well with the Wakandans. And that's why I believe no. that oh, hell no. it was, you know, somebody, somebody, one of the, you know, uh, high up Wakandans sent IO out there to, to basically talk to Bucky and be like, what the fuck are you doing? White wolf? What the fuck? <laughs> and, it, and, and Bucky, give you an arm. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Like, like, and, and Bucky knew, I feel like he, I feel like he not only knew it was a Wakandan, but he knew it was Io. I feel like he knew it was Io, and it felt like when he looked at her, and he said what he said, like you know, you know, I had a feel, I had a feeling you were here, or you'd show up. I feel like he's got a history with Io, and um, you know, so um, and so I, I think that we're going to see these two talk with one another, try to figure out what the fuck he's doing and why Zemo's out, and um, I yeah, it'll be interesting what happens next episode if they tackle that part of the story and go further with it in the next one because I'm, I'm hoping that they do, do. Go, no, go ahead you think Zemo will, will ever show remorse for what he did no not at all I mean his family I think he believes he's in the right he's right now he's doing what he can to like further his Right now, he has to work with them because I, I he one hundred percent is against Avengers and anybody having that kind of power. His family fucking died because of what happened in Sokovia and the he's, battle. He's a zealot, yeah, and the battle between Ultron and the Avengers it, it led to his family dying. And I don't think anything is he he he's like nothing's going to bring them back. And I'm gonna I'm going to what I. With my dying breath, I am going to fucking end. And he, he wants to end the super soldier serum. He wants to end the Avengers, man. Anything he can do to end that. I think like that's his end game here. Um, but right now he has to do what he has to do to further his, his plans. But I don't think, I don't think, I don't think we're going to get any remorse out of Zemo. I don't think we're going to see Zemo turn full on good guy and start working with the Avengers. It's always going to oh, be, no. it's always going to be a turn with this guy. Yeah, that's what makes the character so great. Is you, it's almost on the cusp of that happening, but just never quite does. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, it just really goes back to that origin story that we got. I mean, his it's you know his his son Carl's dead, his grandfather, his wife. I mean, his whole family's dead now because of this. And I mean, everything he does is like in their memory, and you know, it's very vengeance related. And he thinks country he doesn't exist anymore either. Yeah, yeah. So, um, man, it, I think, I think he definitely <laughs> having Daniel Brühl in this episode definitely elevated things quite a bit. I really liked oh, it. His voice was different though. The, the low whispering that he kept using was not what he sounded like in Civil War. 
if you noticed that. Mm, it's been too long since I've seen Civil War. I did not notice that. <laughs> he, it was very... He was more subdued. You know, talking like this. It was, I was like, what? Where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like that the whole time. I thought like maybe he was just doing that while he's in prison to kind of intimidate, you know, the Winter Soldier. But then it it persisted (laughs) throughout the entire episode. And I was like, he did not talk like that in Civil War. Hmm. Yeah, it just must be a, a choice that the director made. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, interesting. Uh, let's see. I love this episode, though. I thought the action was incredible. Um, Sharon Carter was great. Um, I loved uh, the, scene, the scene of Sam getting his favorite shot as Smiling Tiger that had the, <laughs> the, the, the snake organs. Oh boy, oh, yeah. it seems so obvious right then and there, like to the people. Like they should have known this wasn't the guy. Like I don't think he pulled that off very well. Oh, I loved it. And, like, no, he was not slick. <laughs> and Selby was like, "You're taller than I thought." Smiling, you know, you're taller than you're taller than I thought. Smiling <laughs> Tiger would be. And he just kind of like looks at her and nods, and it's like, okay, <laughs> he's not really a good undercover guy. No. <laughs> Yeah, his tough voice when he was talking to his sister was pretty hysterical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be big time. I'm going to go in there and kill the people at the bank. And I was like, what the fuck? And then his sister starts, <laughs> his sister starts yelling at her kid about Cheerios or something. <laughs> the balance between humor and action and, like, uh intensity is really really good in this show yeah it it has all those elements but none of them are overblown and it's never like oh come on stop your quipping bullshit it's it's like all the funny stuff fits organically within uh both the plot and the the characters motivations and it's really nice to see that yeah yeah uh as far as Rumors. I'm hearing rumors for the next episode. Um, and these are rumors from Reddit, and it's it, these are not big guys. Um, and uh, first off, the note from the moderators on this post were that the uh, mods have confirmed that the original poster, the OP, has access to the information they say they do to the best of their ability. And uh, this comes from um, Plenty Echidna five forty five. And they said this is about uh, episode four. They're saying that episode four is just as long, same duration as episode three, so about 53, 54 minutes. Walker and Hoskins are prominent in the next episode. Um, no other information at this time. I had people messaging for me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, okay. So basically that's all they know is that Wal- Wal- Walker and Hoskins are prominent. And then it's going to be the same duration as uh, the last episode. I think it's a safe bet to say Walker and Hoskins are going to be prominent after they <laughs> didn't get much time in this episode. I think that's a safe bet. I would bet some Cascatelli pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh, man. I'm never going to get a chance to get any of that pasta. <laughs> I think the perfect shape for pasta would be vagina-shaped pasta, right? Lots of 
they, lots of places for the sauce to soak into. Exactly. I would call it like the and definite fuckability. Fuckability. Forkability. <laughs> no, it, no. In this case, good it's got fuckability. Well. <laughs> I would call it a good mouthfeel as well. I would call it vegetelli. It's <laughs> a great name. I'm sold now. <laughs> Give me that for twenty bucks a pop. I'm down. Yeah, yeah. And then I, then they, oh god, if you could have that and then mix it with some like cock shape fucking pasta, <laughs> it would be fucking pasta. Yeah, you're right. It would be. Yeah, I would call that fucking pasta. <laughs> fucking pasta. Hey, you want fucking some fucking pasta? pasta? <laughs> Give it the old double pork. <laughs> Neil got seriously offended that we were so ignorant when it came to double pork, Rago. I know, I know. That was my oh my part of I Neil Neil was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What am I hearing here? What is going on here? <laughs> Did you guys see that Wyatt Russell like left social media from being harassed by uh, fans this week? Oh, really? So fucking stupid. That is so dumb. Yeah. Uh, it's Poor like guy. he plays a character on a television show. He is not that character. Why are you bullying this guy? You know what? He should. Fans be... are the fucking worst. But they are. Honestly, he should be. He should be flattered in a way that he's playing the character that well. Like he should, and it, yeah. it, it, it's a damn shame that, uh, that Roddy Piper is not alive to talk to him about what an amazing job he's doing. Cause Roddy Piper, man, Jake, I'm, you remember Roddy Piper, man, fucking people hated him because he was such oh. a good heel. Yeah. Yeah. He was not, I mean, people look back and think he was always this beloved guy, but yeah, he was scum of the earth. Back yeah. In the day, back <laughs> yeah. In prime. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, and when you play a villain, like I, I, I've played a villain on stage before, and, and one of those roles, I uh, got booed during curtain call, and like that is because I was doing such a good job that people hated the character that I was playing so much. Like that—that's kind of when you when you're playing a bad guy, that's what you want. You want the people to be invested in that character. Yeah, but to take to social media to start bullying somebody is just true. It's cowardly and weak and it's it's not being a real fan it's being one of these uh, shit fans that we seem to be getting more and more of or yeah. have bigger and bigger voices yeah. yeah none of these pussies would say that shit to wyatt russell's face oh, no. no they'd ask for a fucking selfie in his autograph yeah so yeah it's just uncalled for i feel bad for him i mean you know you can't blame him. Some people just have a thin skin when it comes to that kind of thing. And you shouldn't be expected to put up with online bullying and harassment like that. Dude. No. When that, when he's, when he's questioning that guy and that guy spit in his fucking face. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I can't, I almost, I almost couldn't believe that they fucking put it in there. Yeah. I like that. He, spoke english too which was kind of almost even more spit in his face like i <laughs> the entire time motherfucker <laughs> i have a feeling that wyatt russell is going to be around for a long time he's got some chops and obviously he's got the pedigree and the connections but like he he's he does a really good job in the two roles that i've seen him in <laughs> Uh, what are the chances that we see Old Man Cap show up in this series? 
Mm, more than 50%, I think, 50 to 60%. Yeah, I'd say about 60%. I mean, I, I was listening to Fat Man on Bat, uh, Fat Man, it's called Fat Man Beyond now. I was listening to Fat Man Beyond and, uh, Mark Bernard was saying, like, he, he thinks that we could see, definitely see Old Man Cap show up in this and, 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 and maybe it would be Old Man Cap talking to Isaiah Bradley. And saying like, oh. like I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know all this was going on, you know. Oh, that would be an epic scene. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And we're definitely uh, going to see more of that character. I, I think they they brought him up yeah. again in the, uh, you know, the previously on. Yes. So it really made me think we're gonna we're gonna see more of this character in and, this series. And I sure hope we do. Yeah. We're getting more cap. And like we're getting we're gonna get more cap. We're not, guys, we're not gonna get a funeral for Cap right now. I promise you. Like. No. And we're gonna, Cap's, we're gonna get young Cap again. Cap's gonna come back. The, the reason we saw that fucking scene in Endgame with Ant-Man turning into a fucking baby was because they're gonna put old, (laughs) they're gonna put old man Cap there and they're gonna make him young again. I, I promise you. I promise you that something is gonna happen to where they're gonna have to have Old cap, uh, young, uh, young cap, come back, and we're gonna see them do exactly what they did with with Scott Lang there, where he turned into a. Ba- we're not gonna get baby Cap, but we're gonna. Get- <laughs> I'm just imagining Cap as a baby. With the, a suit. Baby Avengers. <laughs> but something's gonna. Ha- it's gonna be big. It's gonna be a big event. It's gonna be huge, and it's gonna be like you know, like there's there's these scenes in these fucking Marvel movies that we all just kind of like, we all like fucking go nuts for. We all go nuts when you know fucking uh, you know Cap is holding Mjolnir. We all go nuts when, you know, Tony snaps. We all, you know, there's certain things in these movies that just, and this is going to be another one when old man Cap becomes young Cap again. So it'll happen. People's brains will explode. It'll happen. Cap's going to come back. Don't worry. Chris Evans is going to come back and he's going to play that character. We're not going to get no Cap funeral anytime soon. It'll happen eventually, but it's not going to happen one of these show, these Disney Plus shows, or do you think it'll happen in a movie? You know, he'll come back as Young Cap in a movie. That's gonna be a that's gonna be yeah. a movie thing, man. They want they want butts and seats in the theaters to watch when that happens. But I think like if we do see Cap now, it's gonna be Old Man Cap, and it's gonna be what he's gonna do is all this fucking bullshits going on with the government right now. All this bullshits going on with this new Cap. All this bullshits. We're go- Old Man Cap might come out and give the whole world a speech. You know? Do you think he? Do you think he'll make out with Sharon Carter again? Uh, I hope so. No, I don't. No. <laughs> Lemon party. He's like, keep it in the family. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's making the rounds with the Carters, isn't he? <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh man, I I love this episode. That's all I got. You guys got any? Well, any final thoughts on this episode? I don't think I got anything else. No, nothing else. I mean, it was just a great episode, and I hope every episode continues to be better than the last. I hope they keep this trend up. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jake. It, it like this show is 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 really really good. It, it's it's a nice solid action adventure show, and it's ex- but it's also exploring uh, the motive. Like I said earlier, the motivations of all these characters. Yeah, it, it just it, it works so well. And, and you know all the actors 
chemistry is perfect and the action is great. The story is paced perfectly and you're, you're never bored or anything. And it, it just, uh, it's, it's really, really good. It's no hunter. And it's so different. It's no hunter though. The fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Fred Dyer, Stephanie Kramer. Oh man. I get PTSD now when I hear the word hunter. Hey, when, hey, when Fred Dyer passes away, his obits, is it going to say Fred's dead or Fred Dyered? Uh, I, di- I go with Dyered. What are you thinking, Neil? <laughs> to be Dyered. <laughs> mm. uh. <laughs> Neil's like, I don't want to answer this, but fine. That sigh, oh my god. He was it, was, it was, it was, like, <laughs> Neil was like, are we really, am I really, are you really, Brian? Is this a thing? <laughs> this is the thing you're doing, Brian. This is what... <laughs> I didn't sign on for this. Jesus. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Dark Blood. <laughs> oh my god. All right, guys, let's jump into good pop, bad pop for this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Mm. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. We've been rating things earlier, and I didn't even go over the system, but I'm going to go over it now. The rating system (laughs) is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Yeah, we we just rating things willy-nilly, weren't we there, Jake? <laughs> yeah, we're not getting any new listeners this episode. <laughs> no, he's coming in. No, he's coming in for this one. Yeah, let's talk about Concrete Cowboy. Now, I want to point this out. The Concrete Cowboy on Netflix, this is not to be confused with the 1979 film Concrete Cowboys, Starring Tom Selleck and Jerry Reed. So if, if that's why, if that's why this is your first episode of Pop Culture Leftovers, if you thought that we were reviewing Concrete Cowboys from 1979 starring one Tom Selleck, Magnum PI himself, and Jerry Reed, you are wrong. Turn this podcast around. You, oh, dude, I, I watched the wrong thing. Yeah, you, <laughs> what did? What, how was Tom Selleck, man? He was good. <laughs> dude, <laughs> could have been Indiana Jones. <laughs> could have been Indiana Jones. That's true. That's true. Uh, sent to live with his estranged father for the summer, a rebellious teen finds kinship in a tight knit Philadelphia community of black cowboys. Uh, Concrete Cowboys directed by Ricky Staub from a screenplay by Staub and Dan Walser based on the, upon the novel Ghetto Cowboy by Greg Nary, which is a fictional, fictionalization of the Fletcher Street Urban Riding Club and Urban African American Horse Riding Culture in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Film stars Idris Elba, Caleb McLaughlin, Joe Jerome, Byron Bowers, Lorraine Toussaint, and Clifford Method Man Smith. And, uh, we all watched this, correct? Yes. Yep. Except for Jake, who watched the fucking Tom Selleck version for <laughs> I watched both. Jake, 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 Jake watched that, and then he went on a tear watching old Hunter episodes. I think it was a, uh... Jake was like, "I'm gonna." Jake, Jake's a big season three fan. 
The problem was that I watched the Hunter episodes on Netflix and they have that skip intro option. So I mean, <laughs> every time I hit that, I didn't know I needed that theme song. After every episode, Jake's like, God damn, Fred Dyer's so good. <laughs> I never get tired of him. Uh, oh, I love it, Jake. <laughs> that was, oh, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't say that. Oh. Oh, that burns me up, dude. <laughs> oh, it's, the, it's the one that got away. Yeah! All right. <laughs> <What is laughs> so fucking dumb. Hey, Concrete Cowboy. Neil, what did you think about Concrete Cowboy with Idris Elba? Yeah, I... Hey, would you, ma- would you eat a pasta called Idris Elba Macaroni? Like, I, would, I would I would eat anything associated with Idris Elba. Ooh. <laughs> that oh, man, dude I got some fan fiction ideas now. <laughs> uh, Neil Tholander and Idris Elba star in Double Pork. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a Klingon uh, in there. We got some shit. Hey, I got a question. Going back, going back to Falcon and Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier... We've been trying to see, like, like in that first episode, he went out on that date. Do you think, like, if he fucking, if, like, he, if, like, he went all the way, do you think, like, do you think he's nutted since the fucking 40s? No. So I would say yes. You can't have a metal arm and not use it to masturbate. I mean, that's like the strength built in. Okay. So the first time, the first time he nutted, do you think, like, it was in there for so long that like the first like maybe couple centimeters that came out were like dried up like glue like when you have like oh, <laughs> look like gray pixie stick powder <laughs> Damn it. oh. it's like it's like after you haven't used like super glue in a long time you got to squeeze a little bit to get the dry shit out and then it gets to like the sticky stuff like all chunky and Tapioca. Yeah, there's like different layers to it. Ugh. Like it's hard and crusty at the top, and then then you start. All right, concrete cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Me. Let me re- re- recalibrate here real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. So I, I fucking love this movie. Uh, I'm gonna type a word out right out of the gate. Uh, I love the fact that Idris Elba was a producer on this. Um, you could tell that he really cared about this project. Um, I thought that Caleb McLaughlin, the, the kid from Stranger Things, showed a lot of uh, stuff that he wasn't able to show in that sh- in that series. Um, he, he's turning out. I think he he will be a force to be reckoned with as he gets older. Um, I really loved the connection that his character had with, with that, uh, horse. I thought that was super touching. It, it like, it, you know, it got me in the feels a little bit. Um, it's weird seeing method man as a cop. Yes. But I thought he did a, a very solid job. He's been, man, character. he's been, he's been doing, he was a, he played a pimp in the deuce. Yeah. I mean, he's a good actor. He is. He actually really is a good actor. 
I, I think he's very, very talented, and, and he brings a lot of authenticity to his roles. Like his, even when he was playing um, like himself in uh, Luke Cage, he, he was great in that show too. Um, I, I do like the fact that like half the cast were real writers of this club. I did not know um, that until the end, dude. Me neither. Same here. When they had those interviews, like yeah. it was, it was great to see that. And like they, they, I, I had no idea. They were never, they never took me out. They were never uh, distracting as as actors. It, there was a lot of really good scenes in here, like that Coltrane scene between uh, Caleb and Idris. Yeah, um, was was phenomenal. Um, I mean, and Idris can sure rock that cowboy hat. Yeah. Um, it, it was a really, it was a really good movie. Uh, I would not have watched it had it not been on the list, but I'm so fucking glad I did. It was, it was really, really, really good. I love the scene. They're, they're sitting around, they're talking about the, and they're sitting around the campfire and they're talking about this. And I, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things that we don't know that we're not taught about black history. And they're, ha- they're having this talk around the campfire. And they're talking about like what we don't see in these Hollywood movies that do get whitewashed. And, and they're talking about stuff that I found interesting that like they said 50% of the cowboys were actually black. Mm-hmm. And you don't see that in the movies. Like, you know, a lot of <laughs> nope. people working with cowboys back in the day, breaking horses, stuff like that were black. And they said that like they, and I loved what the lady said around the campfire talking about like they found out like, you don't have to beat these horses into submission. You don't have to break them. You just got to show them love. And uh, I really appreciated that. Um, I, I, oh, the one guy that was fucking, <laughs> the one guy that was talking about when he was racing and he won by a tooth, he was talking about, <laughs> he was talking about that, that, that horse that had this, the, the teeth that stuck straight out. And, and that's, yeah, and that's why he got beat. I just was laughing. I thought that that guy was super funny. I don't know, I don't even know who that actor is, but he fucking slayed me every time he was talking. The guy's, I loved his energy. I loved, I just, I want to see this guy in more shit. I think, I thought that that guy was, he was fucking great. Um, and just the fact that they were talking about how, these people were always there. They wondered like how these horses got in Philadelphia, like in this area, they were always there. These people were always taking care of these horses. And, and the fact that other people are saying that these horses were malnourished or mistreated is 100% bullshit. And, um, these people were taking great care of these horses and, um, doing the best they could to take care of these horses. These people, Fucking Idris Elba's character was sacrificing so much for these horses that he let the horse live in his fucking house. That's how much he would. And at first, when you meet this character, you're thinking like, "What the fuck? Why is this horse living in this guy's house? This is this is a, <laughs> this is an insane environment that the mother is now sending her son to. Her son Cole getting into all this trouble goes and lives with his estranged father for this summer." To, you know, hopefully straighten himself out. She wants to get him away from the bad elements that he's got in Detroit. And, uh, 
you know what? There's bad elements anywhere. You go anywhere, there's bad elements. And he, you know, gets reacquainted with uh, one of his childhood friends who's like involved in gangs and smush. and a smush and his friend smush who's involved in gangs and 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 drug dealing and all these things. And uh, so there's bad everywhere you go, but uh, you know there's also things that you can that you can do in these communities hopefully there's something that you can do in these communities and the, the one thing that he started to learn here was responsibility horsemanship taking care of something and uh the, 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 this movie kind of connected with me in a way when i was 14 my parents sent me away to a christian boarding academy that was on a ranch and i had to take care of horses and I had to do all this. I hated it. I fucking hated this place. I've talked about it on Startcast. Um, I hated, I hated the environment because of the people that worked there. And I'm not going to get into that on this podcast. But I will say that the one thing that I did enjoy was riding horses, taking care of horses. I took care. I took care of uh, the miniature horses. I took horsemanship classes, and I rode horses. And I love that kind of stuff. I absolutely loved it. Um, and uh, it, it, that was something that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. And, you know, you know, I've like um, <laughs> I, I've gone to I've, I've gone to some rodeos and stuff like that. And and um, and it's it, it is fun. It's it's a it's, it's a cool thing. Um, and I think it, I think it is a good thing for young boys and and young girls to get into it. It taking care of an animal and and um i think it teaches good good responsibility and it really connected with me in that way i'm going to give this movie a, a an absolute tupperware i thought the acting was phenomenal i think like the fact that they did use the real people it that that could have turned out to be something really bad like these people could have like been terrible actors but honestly it's like I had no idea that the people that they used that were real philadelphia writers were not actors that these were the real people and I was blown away by their performances. I was really kind of blown away by their performances yeah. being first time actors. Like, that guy Paris in the wheelchair. I, I kept, I was looking at the IMDB page trying to find out who the fuck this guy was. Yeah. And he's not, he's not listed because he's not an actor. Right. And he was phenomenal. Right. In that part. Give it, give this guy more work. He was really good. Yeah. I could not <laughs> tell you yeah, he was not an actor. I, I tupperware this movie. I, I did not know at the beginning when I first I, – I, maybe I'm 30 minutes in. I was just like, ah. And honestly, 30 minutes in, I didn't know what I was going to – I was going to be like, ah, oh, this is a taste it. And as it kept going, it just kept getting better and better. And it's it's predictable. It's a predictable movie. Like the formula is very predictable. But it's it still fucking hits you, man, that these people love – what they're doing so much and they'll sacrifice so much for this lifestyle that they love. And you've got developers coming in trying to take it all away from them and it's theirs. And they're trying to take what's what they love away from them. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's just a powerful movie. I'm so glad that Idris Elba made this Jake. What did you think, man? I've been rambling. I'm right there with you guys. This was an absolute Tupperware. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, man, I just, I really liked how real it felt in the way that, you know, Cole gets kind of put in this tough love situation by his mother to go with this estranged, estranged father. And for the entire movie, Cole kind of goes down both paths. And I really appreciated that. Like normally in a movie like this, 
20 minutes in, the character is kind of turning that corner and becoming a better person. But almost throughout this entire movie until the climax, Cole is going both ways. He's doing his things with smush that he shouldn't do, and he's starting to just learn more about better things from his father as they develop a better connection. And I really thought it was just really well done how, how they went down both paths for the entire movie until the climax. I really appreciated that. Um, just the relationship between Cole and Harp was really well done. One of my favorite scenes of the movie was when, uh, is it Paris, the, the guy that couldn't ride the horse? Mm-hmm. And um, when he, you know, Harp sets it up so he can actually ride a horse. And, you know, at first you think, oh, you know, because Cole has a connection with this character. You think that he's going to really appreciate this. But it really, like, spurns this argument between Cole and his father where he just feels like, why isn't his father being a father to him? Why is he being a father to all these other people, but he doesn't have time or is willing to be a father to him? And I just thought that was a really powerful scene. This movie was so good. And I'm right there with Brian. Like at first it was a taste it. And then it just kept getting better and better and better. (laughs) And then by the time Cole sees his mom again, I'm like almost in tears. Just that her, you know, her getting, because you could tell it was just so hard for her to do what she did at the beginning of that movie. And it wasn't like she was a bad mother or was making the wrong choice. It was just, she was between a rock and a hard place and what she was going to do with her son. And she made this really tough decision. And wow, just seeing how everything plays out and getting to the, to the climax of this movie just really got me emotional. And just like you guys, I had no idea that these were real people until the end credit scenes and we see the interviews. And I really like how this is bringing focus to what is going on with these people and the problems that they're facing. Um, I know a lot of uh, GoFundMes have popped up this week for the uh, Philly horse riders, and there's a lot of stuff going on there and a lot of interviews with a lot of the real real people on the side. And it's worth doing a Google search and uh, – reading more about the lifestyle that these guys are living. This this was so good. If you have Netflix, this is a must-watch for anybody. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic movie. This is Concrete Cowboy. Not to be confused with the 1979 <laughs> film, Concrete Cowboys, starring Tom Selleck and, and Jerry Reed. <laughs> and, and just technically, as as far as the film was made, I, I, let, I thought that a lot of the framing of shots was really fascinating. Like, there, there were, when there was these close-ups... And you'd have the character on the left side of the screen with a whole bunch of blank screen on the right side. I thought that was a really cool kind of trick to kind of give it more of an atmospheric feel almost, but super intimate as well at the same time. And there was a lot of really uh, fun camera stuff that was happening, and the music integration was great. The score was a lot of fun. Um, and Method Man, his his character had like this... This... this uh, turmoil within him because he you know he grew up in this in this lifestyle and became a cop and he so he was torn between these two different paths and i thought like it it was all it all came together super well i did want a little more backstory for cole at the very beginning but then i didn't care anymore once the movie got really going i loved method man's introduction as a character and like what you said neil you at first you're like oh here's the cop coming to fucking make things (laughs) shitty for everybody and then you kind of realize that all these characters are are friends with each other and i thought that really came off as a surprise by the by the end of the car and it doesn't just hit you over the head with it you just 
figure that out through the context of the way they start talking to each other, that he does have sympathy for all of these guys. And I thought that was really well done. For sure. The Serpent. Hey, Neil, did you watch The Serpent? I watched the first episode, yeah. So did I. Set in, uh, set in the mid-1970s, the story follows Charles Sobraj, a serial killer of mixed Asian and Caucasian descent, as he drugs and robs travelers, particularly young backpackers, traveling through Bangkok, Thailand, along the hippie trail, stealing his victims' passports and identities to travel the world. He, st- he sells stolen gems alongside his girlfriend, Marie Andre Leclerc, Charles Sobraj is at the height of his crimes when a Dutch diplomat, Herman Nippenberg, begins investigating the murders of Dutch tourists and covers clues leading to Sobraj. This is an eight-part limited series. It's a co-production between BBC One and Netflix. Uh, it's based on the crimes of serial killer Charles Sobraj, who murdered young tourists between 1975 and 1976. And, um, yeah, oh, it, it stars uh, Tahar Rahim. As Charles Sobraj and then Jenna Coleman as Marie Andre Leclerc and, uh, I know her as, uh, one of the companions from, from Doctor Who. Neil, what did you think about, uh, this? First off, I'm gonna say, didn't it feel like at the beginning when you first started watching it, didn't it feel like they were filming it like it was shot like a movie from the 70s? Yeah, like that first, uh, interview that he was doing. That and then just like, like the way that they would like zoom in and just, it just felt like it was actually being a movie that was filmed in the seventies. It just felt very authentic to like nineteen seventies. Yes, it did. You're right. There was a lot of the cinematography uh, elements that were really popular during the seventies that were being used. Um, I, I, I'll give it a solid taste. It this first episode. Uh, I'm intrigued. I will be continuing it, um, but the the time jumps were super jarring to me, and they were it was kind of frenetic in the way they were hopping around um, different like you know two weeks earlier, two weeks later, and then four four months earlier, four months later. Um, that was a little excessive, I thought, uh, for a first episode of something. Um, but other than that, I, I, you know, it's a, it's an intriguing story. I'm a, I'm a true crime guy. So, um, I'm interested in this story as it, as a real life thing. Um, I, I think the performances were really subtle and, and, and well done. I, I really liked the, uh, the, the Danish guy or the Dutch guy, um, Oh, the guy who played was, Herman Nippenberg, or yeah, yeah, or the the backpacker guy, which one? No, the the, the, the attaché guy. Okay, the, uh, yeah, Herman Nippenberg. I thought he was he he played that part of the harried uh, <laughs> foreign uh, diplomat kind of guy uh, pretty well. Yeah, I also liked seeing um, uh, the guy who played Dewey Crow on Justified. Uh, he was also he he played the Australian the drunk Australian government guy in the bar oh, okay uh, yeah he, yeah he was also uh manson in and once upon a time in hollywood oh he's so uh, he, he was manson in uh mine hunter yeah yeah that's as it. well he played manson in both in both yeah he's he's really phenomenal i know him from justified because he is one of the best parts of that show 
Um, so it was really fun to see him, and he's a native Australian, so it you know worked perfectly. Uh, I'll keep watching it, but there were some issues with it that prevent it from going any higher than a taste it for me. The biggest thing that I have, biggest problem that I have with it is the fact that like at the beginning of it, they tell you like they don't know everything about this and like they're basically like adding dialogue that never happened. Yeah. And so that was like my biggest turnoff for this. I, I'll give it a taste of it as well. I think everybody does a fine job acting in this. I think that, that this is like an, it, it is, it, it's, 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 not, it's a crime. These are murders I've never even heard of before, but I would much rather see this as like a true crime docu-series as opposed to scripted out, you know, actors doing this. Uh, the scene where the girl is drugged. And realize that she's drugged and then put into the back of the car was fucking terrifying. And I really felt bad for the character of Teresa in that moment. And uh, I hated um, both of those characters <laughs> in that moment yeah. that, were, that were doing that to this poor woman. So, But um, I'll give it a taste as well. I don't know if it's something that I'm going to go back to. I would much rather uh, watch something about this that is a docu-series that it just basically lets us know what they know, what happened. And that's much – that's what I'd rather watch. I mean I'll, I'll give it another episode at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in order to kind of figure out if they get it right. But yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I would much rather see an actual – uh, investigative document or uh, a documentary about this. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about not a game, not a game. This dropped on Netflix, I think on, uh, yeah, the 31st. Um, an honest and down to earth look at our relationship with video games, both from the gamers and their parents. This is written and directed by Jose Gomez. And, uh, Jake, haven't heard from you in a while. I know that you watch this. We've been watching a lot of, a lot of shifting going on right now. A whole lot of shifting going on right now. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, I do know that th there's shifting going on. <laughs> uh, is someone playing a video game at the moment? I know we're going to be talking about anything. a document. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't hear anything either. Oh, I, it's picking up on my end. So I, it, <laughs> fuck it. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't know if Tristan was calling into the podcast. <laughs> Shift in Tristan. Um, yeah, I, we've been watching a lot of video game documentaries. How did this one work for you, Jake? I'm going to give this a solid taste it. Um, I liked a lot of the subject matter. I just – I felt like it leaned to one side a little bit too much. I wanted to see it kind of cover both sides of the coin. I wanted to see it talk about – the negative aspects of video games and the positive aspects of video games. And I think they, they touched on the negative aspects just a little bit, but mostly focused on the positive aspects. And I, I didn't really learn too much from, from this show. Like it was interesting and there was a lot of really cool stuff. Um, there was honestly some stuff that even got me really emotional. The, the stuff about the, uh, the kid that died from leukemia oh, God. and the efforts that the, uh, the, the game makers went through to make an audio book about him personally to make him a commander. I that, fucking, that honestly brought me to tears. I fucking bawled. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it was very powerful. I don't want my taste to think that I'm like this emotionalist robot and nothing affected me. <laughs> you, you, you are a heartless piece of shit, sir. <laughs> I don't know. I just I I feel like I I did just did not learn very much, and I, I thought this was a very one sided look at video games and the positives and negatives. I, I wish it was more of a debate instead of just like a big. I felt like it was just trying to prove that no video games are no good. Bad things can come from them. Look at all these good examples and good things that have happened. And it, it just wasn't very insightful on that level to me. Uh, it was worth a watch though. If you're a fan of these video game docs, I just wasn't the best one by any means. I'll jump in. Like I thought, here's the thing. I thought at, at the beginning, like it, it did kind of like, Go back and forth, like, you know, video games can be good in this way. And then video, look at how it's affecting this one kid whose parents are not letting him play the game and he's breaking his keyboards. He's yelling at his parents and screaming. And like, I thought that that's what it was going to be. Once it kind of like dug its heels in that this is like, no, video games are fine. Like they're, they're fine. Like, you know, like if, if you, it can be a good thing. I kind of just like was like, yeah, like let's uh let's get out of this like video games are are bad. But like how do I t- articulate this? Um I don't I do, I don't think it should have I think you're right, Jake. It shouldn't have opened up like both sides of it if they're only going to support one side, really. Um, yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. God damn it, my cat is t- his tail. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like so psyched. <laughs> I am so sidetracked right now with him. I apologize. He he really wants me off this fucking call. You're um, right, though. They opened it up like a debate, and yeah, it's not that I don't yeah. agree with the decision that they made. Mm-hmm. It's just I wanted to see more of the debate. Yeah. It's well, it, they should have opened it up with like some people think video games are you know uh, harmful. Um, we're here to tell you why they can be positive and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe, maybe set that precedent before you kind of like do show us the fact that like, you know, there are kids like losing their shit when they don't get to play their fucking video games. You take us to another country where there's a rehabilitation center for video game addiction and you do all these things. But then on the flip side, you also show us all these wonderful stories. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing because this this did affect me emotionally like with the the kid who had the the leukemia and like his skin started to get puffy and it got to the point where he was he he was squinting and then and then his eyes puffed his face puffed up so much he couldn't see anymore and he couldn't play these games and like they they like you said they made that audio that audio companion to the game that he played where he was a commander and they used his name in the story. They made him part of the story and you could, and they played it for him and they showed him and, and, and he's starting to smile. And this is like 24 hours before he dies. And mm-hmm. dude, I'm fucking crying. Like, Me too, dude, that was so much. And it's just, a, and I'm thinking to myself, like this for all these people that fucking like, pitch a fit about video games and all this stuff. What I'm looking at right now with this kid and his experience with video games is so pure. It is so pure and such a good positive thing in this kid's life 
that I felt like the documentary was making a really good case for for video games as far as like um being uh a, a a positive thing the kid that was in the, the the kid that had had no immune system the that they basically had him in a bubble for like the first 5 years of his life and and um they were really worried about him socially and uh you know learning and stuff like that that was interesting as well um i thought like the the race car driver that story blew me away. Um, the guy was playing race car. He was a, he just was on go-karts and then started playing race car games. And the next yeah, thing you know, Gran Turismo. Then, and the next thing you know, he's fucking in, uh, these, these, these major races. Like he's qualifying in like these major, major races. And, and then the, the story of the guy who, who, who makes music. Who had like that hearing loss? He had hearing loss. He and then he got that surgery, got his hearing back, and now he's making music for video games. I was just kind of like, I, a lot of these were like really touching stories. I just don't think that the director um, and the uh, it all. I don't know. Like you're right, Jake. Like it just didn't all blend well together. I I don't know if I really felt like we knew what he was going for here as far as like showing us both sides and then committing to one. I just, it just, it, it didn't feel like resolved, I guess. I don't know if I'm making sense. It felt like a bunch of vignettes and not like a complete story with a complete point. Yeah. Like every now and again, yeah. here's a section about esports. Here's a section about loot boxes. And then mm-hmm. there's all these super touching stories. And it, it just, it was all just kind of jumbled together without any true focus. Interesting, right. yes. Emotional, yeah. yes. But it just, it just didn't feel complete for some reason. I'll give it, a, I'll give it a high taste it because I really like anything that makes me feel something. I, I, you know, but I, as far as like these video game documentaries that have been coming out lately, um, it's, you know, I, I think like, I appreciate like the Nintendo doc that came out, you know, playing with power and insert coin. Like those felt like they were just more focused. So what did you think, Neil? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It seems like every time I'm on, we're reviewing a video game documentary lately. It's, it's, it's been, there's been a lot of them, uh, coming out in recent, recent months. Um, like both of you, I, I was, disappointed in the thesis that they prevent that they presented uh, as it being a pros and cons uh, story uh, you know looking at both the positives and negatives of video games I thought that the all, all of the focus was on these touching stories like that poor puffy kid or that um, the, the music guy who got hearing and became this composer and there were super good stories mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't the way the movie was presented was not what we got and like even from like include like within the movie itself like it started off talking about how hey this is there's goods and there's good sides and bad sides to this this situation and we got a few of the bad things, but we never really focused on that. It was always these, these uplifting stories about how video games have helped people or how this esports thing, which is a completely foreign concept to me, um, 
is this huge money-making thing, and it's allowing people to express themselves, or not express themselves, but to, to do what they love to do for money. And, and that's it's all good stuff, but it's not what I wa- really was interested in this movie in the beginning with. Uh, I, I wanted to see more of the stories of these these poor people who have had video game addictions or who have been adversely affected by this thing. And, like, I, I do like the international focus of, of the film. I, I like that it's not uh, American-centric because a lot of these seem to be that right now. Um, I like the fact that we got a lot of uh, the Castilian uh, dialect uh, of Spain uh, from Barcelona and whatnot. And, and, like, it does show you that this is a worldwide phenomenon, but it didn't, as both of you have said, it did not present the opposite side very well and i'm going to give it a taste of it as well it was it was informational for me because i'm not a gamer and there it was a lot of really touching and heartfelt stories that are worth worth watching but it, it did not support its central thrust and that is where it fell down for me yeah it's uh it's um called not a game it's on netflix i would i would recommend that people watch it especially if you're a gamer uh yeah you, you might learn something here it, it was interesting and, and it will make you feel things there's some really inspirational stories but yeah i just don't think that uh yeah i, I jake you are right it's just it didn't have a balance it didn't have a balance so um I was going to talk about French Exit, the new movie with Michelle Pfeiffer and Lucas Hedges, but my theater fucking um, uh, one of the projectors went down. I showed I I showed up to the theater and they were like, uh, "French Exit will not be playing this weekend." We had a we had a projector go down, so I I was like, "Oh, can I watch it anywhere else?" And it was playing at a theater an hour away from me. And it was playing at the exact same time that I showed up to my other theater to watch it. So I couldn't, yeah. So I would have, I would have driven to Bloomington to watch it, but it started at 115 and I showed up to the Avon at 115 to watch it. So (laughs) I was shit. Did you leave, did you leave the theater without saying goodbye? I, I said, (laughs) I said, good day, sir. I thought that's what a French exit was. No, a French exit is when you feed someone a baguette and laxatives, and then an, and then an hour later you fuck them. Whoa! And then they, then they shit all over the place. Oh boy! That is a French exit, sir. Yeah, Neil. A French oh, exit is a hasty exit made without saying farewells to anybody. Really. I thought that was what an Irish exit was. I can't speak to an Irish exit. <laughs> <clears throat> That's when you feed them potatoes and lax it. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Fra- the Irish committee. Yeah, the, the French exit to make an early exit without saying goodbye. Yeah, it's uh, Urban Dictionary says Cinderella made a French exit from the ball. <laughs> also, the the April second word of the day is boner jams. <laughs> what? <laughs> Boner jams is music so good it could elicit sexual arousal. And I've been there. To use that in a sentence, the new "We Came as Robin" Romans album is chock full of boner jams. Is the all right boner jams? I like it. I like that word. <laughs> boner jams. Fuck yeah! I get boner jams all the time. <laughs> I know it gives you a boner jam, Jake. Here we go. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck. It's the Hunter theme song. <laughs> that was the opposite of a boner jam. <laughs> that was a flaccid jam. That's a retraction uh, jam. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Jake just went flaccid with Hunter. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh I I hey, Neil, I did not watch Madame Claude, did you? Nope. All right, fucking it good. Awesome. <laughs> I saw so like I I was a little short on time. Yeah. I was watching uh Invincible and, and uh For All Mankind, which is the best show on television right now. It is. Yeah. There it was is. a scene in episode three of season two that scene with joel uh kinnaman and his his wife and daughter yeah that had me literally sobbing full body just i i it it was one of the most impactful things i've ever watched and like that show is fucking phenomenal dude let me just say this instead let me just say this let me just say this guns on the moon that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh, it's phenomenal, dude! I, so I, good. I I I put Madame Claude on the list this week, and then I read what it was about, and I was like, "Fuck yeah. this!" <laughs> I did the same. Thing. I was like, "I don't. If I have time, I'll get to it." I, said, I had a little bit of time. I was like, "I did not get to it." I said, "I said, I said to myself, I'll just hear what Neil has to say about it." <laughs> Oh, like that fucking balloon movie? (laughs) Not falling for it again. (laughs) Uh, Fool me. Fool me once. All right. Uh, Made made for love. Made for love. It's dropped on HBO Max. A woman escapes from a suffocating 10-year marriage to a tech billionaire but discovers her husband had her fitted with a high-tech tracking device. The monitoring device, which he implanted in her brain, allows him to track her location, watch her live, and know her emotional data as she tries to regain her independence. This stars Kristen Milioti uh, as Hazel. Uh, Kristen Milioti from, uh, most recently from Palm, Palm Springs. Springs. But she was also, <laughs> she was also the mother in How I Met Your Mother and... She also was Leonardo DiCaprio's first wife in Wolf of Wall Street. 
that Kristen Miliani. Billy Magnuson is in this. Uh, Dan Bacadal, um, Ray Romano. Uh, three episodes. They dropped three episodes of this one on HBO Max. I watched all three. Jake, I'm assuming you watched one. I watched the first two. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Jake. Jake, go, he's going the distance. He's going for speed. He's all alone. Alone in a time of need. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's racing and pacing and plotting the cause. Oh man, that's why I named my cat. Oh man, I think you need to play the Hunter song again real quick. Bring it down, Jake. Bring it down. <laughs> Jake, dude, it's like I start singing cake and it's like fucking Viagra. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, it felt good, didn't it, boys? Um, <laughs> so dumb. Uh, made for love. I'm just, I like this show. I like it. I, I don't know if I love it yet. I, I like it quite a bit though. I'm going to give it a high taste it and I can't wait to see where it goes. It is, it is a weird fucking show. And, uh, but I, but I don't hate it and there's a lot of mystery to it. Um, <laughs> I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> Neil, what'd you think about yeah. Made for Love with one Kristen Milioti? Yeah, I also watched all three episodes. Um, this is one that... So I, I watched the first episode, and then I was like, okay, I gotta watch all this other shit. And then this is the one I went back to. You were like, uh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna yeah. watch that Madam Claude now. Yeah, fuck Madam Claude. Let me, <laughs> let me finish off these uh, these other two episodes of uh, <laughs> Made for Love. <laughs> I I was super intrigued by that first episode, so that's why I went back to it. Yeah, um, it's it's this guy. It's kind of this weird, like off putting vibe to it. Like you don't know what's happening. You don't know where these characters are coming from. You don't know any backstories to anybody, and yet. Uh, uh, Kristen Milioti is f- fucking doing a great, wor- great work as this character. Um, and Billy Magnuson from Game Night is is. Uh, I have no read on him yet. But yeah, I love him in yeah. that movie, and I do too. he is doing some f- interesting stuff in this. Uh, I did like that the first episode ended up with her stumbling in on her dad with a sex doll uh, who is Ray Romano uh, like that just seems so appropriate uh, it, it's wickedly funny at a lot of at a lot of points and I, I like her she had a line where he's like you can't fly the plane and, he's, and she says I can kind of fly the plane uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a super intriguing show I'll give it a high taste as well i I want to see where it goes, and my rating overall may be a Tupperware, but it also may be a toss it. Yeah, like that, right. Like it, it has that ability to go either way because I have no idea what is happening, and yet I still want to keep watching it. I'm high tasting it because I want to keep watching it, but it it, yes, it doesn't. Exactly. It has me intrigued so much, but it's it's not quite like. 
so amazing that it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But it's like, it's just good enough to keep you kind of like, it strings you along, you know, to the point where you kind of like, yeah, I do want to watch the next episode. I do want to go for the distance. I do want to go for speed, (laughs) you know? Right now, (laughs) sorry, Jake. (laughs) Jake's like Jake's like fucking punching his dick right now. (laughs) Stop it! Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) It's kind of giving me a little bit of the same feeling that I got from the flight attendant. Dude, I need to get back to that, man. Why the shit? That was everybody fucking raves about that, and I keep, I keep like. Thinking like, okay, Brian, you're gonna that's you're, that's gonna be a binge. You're gonna binge it. You gotta binge it. And I'm trying. I'm, I'm I'm watching. You know, uh, for all mankind, I'm getting back on servant, dude. I hear nothing but great things about the flight attendant. And I watched the first episode, and I was super intrigued. Yeah, we we reviewed it. Yeah. Together. Um, and, and like, I I think that one has served well for being week to week. Uh, I think this one might be the same way. I'm hoping, um, I, that's what I was saying is like, it's, it's got some of those elements of, of like this weird mystery. You don't really know what is happening, but you're hoping it's going to reveal itself to us. And if they do it deftly, it'll be a Tupperware. If they don't, it's going to be fucking shitty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it can go one of two ways. Right. But right now it's a high taste just because of my interest, like you. Jake, made for love. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. It's a high taste for me as well. Um, this was just a lot of fun, and I was also surprised at how funny it was. Um, I thought the encounters between um, Hazel and um, Herringbone were just absolutely hysterical. <laughs> um, both encounters, the, the first one with the axe. Yeah, yeah, and the second with the gun. I, I can't wait to see if more of that is going to happen. Doesn't he say, please stop shooting me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just like the, his dialogue, knowing that her husband is watching and that he can't like tell the plan and that he's got this blanket cloak for her to put on her head. And, oh, man, that shit is really Oh, it really cracked me up. And yeah, I, I'm going to keep watching this. I, how many episodes is this? Do you know? I think, is it eight episodes? I'm not I sure. I think it's eight. Yeah. 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 Ray Romano was so good. I don't think I've ever seen him play like such a dirty character before. And this that was the really the only intriguing. Ray Romano I've ever liked. <laughs> yeah, I like him when he's on the poker tournaments. <laughs> I've seen him. I've seen him in some stuff that I've enjoyed him in. Um I got a question here. The actor Noma Dumaswani plays a character, and I want to know: is this a real name? Like, I know it's her name in the show, but is Thiffany a real name? <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. It cannot be. I hope it is not. <laughs> When they called her, I hope for humanity that it's not a real name. When they, when, when they revealed that her name was Fiffany, I was like, "Is <laughs> I, like, I don't mean to be stupid, but I've never heard anybody named Fiffany before." <laughs> I, I have to think that that's just a made-up name for com- comedic purposes. That's gotta be. It's it's so bad otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I I, I like I really like this show. I, I'm I'm definitely going to be watching episode four when it drops next week. 
the same. All right. <laughs> no, I guess is it, is this a moment of reflection? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I was playing the hunter theme in the background. Of Settle down. <laughs> oh man, I, I feel like I just want to play cake right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna make a French exit if I can play more cake. <laughs> oh man, here we go. Lay's Popables, no. the perfect combination of crispy, oh, and delicious crunch. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line, engines pumping. Oh shit! The green light flashes, the flags go up, churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver. Rank, few burning fast on an empty. Oh my track. god. Oh, and while they pour through the turns, their prowess is potent and secretly What was that, Neil? One of my friends got into a fight with the lead singer of Cake at one of their shows. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> a physical fight? Yeah. He, uh, he was, they were playing in Spain. I guess they were being super disrespectful to the crowd. So my buddy got up on stage and started yelling at the lead singer of cake <laughs> he, you know what you know what your buddy said he said cake do you like pound cake and he beats the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> jake that was mine you can't take that one sir good. that was good that was mine <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> Let's take a break. Woo. Guys, ready to take a break? I'm about to go the distance right now. <laughs> Jesus, Neil. Motor <laughs> jam, man. Motor jam. We will be. Oh, I thought I was the only one. I feel better. <laughs> we will be back. <laughs> we'll be back with 100% less cake. I promise you. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Snap into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When Pop Culture Leftovers runs wild on you. All right. We are back. And it is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. News from Deadline. Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard to helm Thundercats movie for Warner Brothers. Oh! 
right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as his new film, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong opens Wednesdays in U.S. theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, after turning up a Hollywood film pandemic record, 123 million gross in 38 overseas markets over the weekend, director Adam Wingard is set to direct Thundercats. That is a big scale feature based on an animated TV series that ran from 1985 to 1989 by Rankin Bass and several other iterations, comic books and merchandise. The project has been developed by Rideback's Dan Lin and Vertigo's Roy Lee. They were producers on Wingard directed Death Note with an early script by David Coggeshell. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, the series focuses on a group of cat-like humanoid aliens. Who live on a on the dying planet Thundera? The Thundercats are forced to flee their homeland, and uh, we have no idea who's going to be starring in this. Who they're going to be casting as the Thundercats? But yeah, Adam Wingard's going to be Jake. It's fucking. It's dude. This could be happening. We've been talking about this for years. Live action Thundercats. This could seriously be happening now. Yeah, it feels like it. Um... Yeah, he's a hot director now at this point, right? He had a big hit. Uh, you think we're going to get the butthole cut of Thundercats the movie? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they wear they wear costumes. They're not running around. They're not naked cats running around. I got you. Do they come from, like, a planet? How's that work? I'm not a, I big, just... I'm not a big Thundercats fan. I'm not okay, fan of okay. Uh, yeah, in the first episode of Thundercats... Um, their planet is is dying, and so they leave Thundera and they go to another planet. And the other planet that they go to, that's the planet that has Mumra on it, and you know, fucking what's his name, the Vulture dude, and Slythe, and uh, Jackal, and and uh, you know, the mutants, the mutants, yeah, yeah. So um, Josh Gad is Snarf, right? Oh, stop! <laughs> yeah, you. you <laughs> You just ruined the movie for me. <laughs> I honestly don't even know if I want a snarf in it. Yeah, snarf really brings it to a whole other level. I yeah, don't know much about snarf, cats, but whoa. If they have a snarf, I hope he dies in the first five minutes. Jeez, that's dark. Yeah. Snarf. Fuck snarf. Snarf, snarf. <laughs> snarf, I snarf, 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 snarf. Fuck snarf. I yeah, I don't. I wanted to kind of. Yeah, I'd be happy if they left snarf out of it completely. Like as for as much as I you know loved snarf and for as much as I loved Orko when I was a kid watching He Man, I don't know if I want like a. I don't know if I want like a live action Orko ever, <laughs> or a, <laughs> or a live action snarf. I don't know, man. You know, ugh. So yeah, those, those are hard characters. Snarf. Oh, sorry. I was I was just saying. What if it's Peter Dinklage's snarf? No, what, is he short. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck is that up? What's, what's, what's <laughs> up with that, actor. dude? Now you now you're backtracking. <laughs> now you. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously it's because he's small, but it's also because he's a great actor that could bring some real gravitas to the snarf. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Oh man, they just added some real layers to Snarf there with the casting of Peter Dinklage. Get the fuck out of here, Neil. No, I. <laughs> um, all I, dude, give me. I want. I want. Uh, I want Idris Elba as Panthro. Oh fuck yes. 
Oh, that makes sense. That'd be awesome. Um, I don't know, man. The rest of them, it's hard to cast. It's the, the I want Kristen Wiig as Jitara. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> only going to play cat people now. She's only playing cat people. <laughs> oh man. I don't know, man. As far as the other casting goes, it's a tough one. I remember somebody made like a fake uh, Thundercats yeah. trailer years ago, and it had like I think it was um, Brad Pitt as Lino. Was it a Vin Diesel as as Panthro? I think it was Vin Diesel as Panthro. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, I think Matthew McConaughey was Tigra, and he was like, "All right, all right, all right." Let's do this. Oh no! <laughs> Let's do this. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh man, yeah. Who's your mumra? Oh, mumra. Who would be my mumra? Man, that's a tough Ooh. one. That is a tough one. Oh, Willem Dafoe. I don't know. No. Yeah, that's a good, just that's classic a good villain casting. Yeah, yeah. Do a Sam Rockwell as Mumra. No, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> That's awful. I can see like Ian McKellen. <laughs> what? No, I can't. I can't see that. The voice, well, man. Going to be CGI. Yeah, but he's got. You got to get the voice. You know, it, Ian McKellen's got a great voice. Yeah, but he doesn't sound like he doesn't sound like he's fucking like. And I've been smoking for like uh, like that's what Mummer sounds like. Mummer sounds like. Yeah. Mumra, the ever-living. He sounds like he's fucking had a tracheotomy or something. <laughs> Get Danny Trejo to do it. <laughs> These are terrible. <laughs> These are all terrible. What is happening? I don't know. It's like the worst casting I've ever heard. <laughs> the, the, the lead singer from Cake. <laughs> <laughs> Jake just punching his dick for two hours in the theater. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a toss in because I punched my dick the entire movie. <laughs> Brian, I can't record this weekend. Why, dude? <laughs> I can't walk. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, my balls ballooned up to the size of fucking peaches. Yeah. I got thunder balls. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, hey, let's not try to cast the Thundercats because that's, yeah. that's literally an impossible task for anyone on this podcast right now. Except like, for Josh Gaddis Snarf, which that, is perfect. Fuck off with that. That's terrible. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I've, I think I've had my fill of Josh Gad over the pandemic. Yeah, I could see that. I've had too much. Oh my god, I've had so much <laughs> Josh Gad over the pandemic. <laughs> I don't think I've watched any of his shit, so I'm good. Mm. I love. He's great on Twitter, and uh, I love me some Olaf. Oh yeah, I'm not a Frozen person, but I'm excited. I'm super excited for a live-action Thundercats. It's a long time coming, and I've got high hopes for Adam Wingard taking over the over the property here. I hope it I hope it goes over well. I hope it's like as big a hit as uh, you know, 
Transformers, but it does the property justice. That's what I want. I just want it to right. do the property justice. Yeah, I mean, he, he proved he can do um, effective CGI action with Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he gave those, those, comp- <laughs> those fake things uh, a lot of actual real gravitas and weight. And it, he's probably pretty perfect for something that's going to be largely reliant on CGI. Uh, I want to, I just want to see a live action thunder tank. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. A live action thunder tank would be fucking incredible. And then like the weapons that they use too, like, you know, I mean, uh, tiger's whip and you know, Panthro's got like those, uh, claw nunchucks and, you know, the staff. staff. Yeah. These weapons that they use are so cool. I want to see. Oh my god, a live action lion-o, you know, with the uh, Sword of Omens. And we get to see that fucking... The, the, <laughs> yeah, I just googled the Thunder Tank. Did those paws go up and down? Yeah, dude! Yeah! <laughs> the Thunder <laughs> Tank is... They do. Dude, the Thunder Tank is dope, man! <laughs> Have you seen... It's amazing. Uh, the fucking... They've got the new Thunder Tank toy from like the Thundercats it's like Thundercats Legends or something and it's like you can see it on Big Bad Toy Store or Entertainment Earth it's a $450 Thunder Tank oh my god holy shit it is fucking incredible like if I just had like money to burn and (laughs) just didn't give a fuck about saving or (laughs) Or anything. Tanker savings. I, yeah, I just—it's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. It is awesome. But yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm I'm all for the Thundercats movie. I just want to see them do it right. And yeah, leave Snarf out of it. Leave Josh Gad the fuck away from it. All right, <laughs> leave him the fuck away. Josh Gad can go fuck off. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so angry at Josh Gad this episode. <laughs> I know, Jesus. <laughs> Fix your audio on those fucking YouTube videos, Josh Gad. Jesus. There's no reason for me to be this angry at Josh Gad. He's done nothing. He's a fine human being. I'm sorry, Josh Gad. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Oh, last week I mentioned the season three finale of American Gods and... uh, and I said uh, that, you know, this is typically when Stars likes to cancel shows. I'm meaning, like, you know, three seasons and then... Yeah, it happened. They canceled me. God. So, um, yeah, this sucks. Uh, there could be some life left in the series. Dark Horizons said American Gods author and series executive producer Neil Gaiman has responded to Star's cancellation of the series, saying the show is definitely not dead. In a statement on social media, Gaiman expressed gratitude to the producing team for the American Gods journey so far and then said production company Fremantle are committed to finishing the story that began in episode one right now. We're all just waiting to see which way forward is best and who it'll be with. So yeah, uh, yesterday's news of the premium cabler not picking up another season suggested a potential event series or TV movie wrap up was possible. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to hold my breath, but, um, fuck this, this one stings. This one stings. Cause Season three was phenomenal. Neil, I mean, I would understand if you don't pick it back up. 
now with the cancellation, but honestly, season three was fucking awesome, dude. It was really good. Once it drops on streaming, I will be finishing it out. Uh, I, I'm hoping that like Prime or Netflix or one of these other platforms picks it up. You know, like what Prime did with The Expanse. Yeah. Or you know all these other shows that have been prematurely canceled um, because of budget concerns and, and you know money obviously is is a big issue. Um, but I, I could see it getting new life on another platform. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I really hope it that uh that it comes back because the the way that it left off and like some of the reveals that that they had at the end of season 3, it's just it seems for fans that are really invested. This this one hurts. This one really hurts if 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 nothing comes of this that we And think about this, dude. You know, the series started in 2017. We've been We've been this with this series for, you know, four years now. And to have no conclusion, it, it hurts, man. It's things. And this happens with a lot of shows. This happens with a lot of shows, man. I feel, I feel bad for, you know, like, I was a big fan of Pushing Daisies. And then after season two, like, like it ended. Um, big fan of Alphas on sci-fi. Big fan of, like, Deadly Class on sci-fi. And, but every once in a while, you'll have, Somebody come in there and save a show, just kind of like like with the expanse. So we'll see what happens with this one. Hopefully, Fremantle is like not going to give give up, and 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 we'll get some sort of a conclusion here. Have you finished the expanse yet? I have not, dude. I just have not have time to jump back into that yeah. world, which sucks because I I really enjoyed what I've seen. News from Dark Horizons: Stallone develops possible Rocky prequel. Didn't we hear about this as a rumor? I don't remember hearing about this before this yeah, article. I don't know. I don't know. There's just there's so much going on. While the Creed movies will continue with a third outing on the way, Rocky creator Sylvester Stallone has revealed via social media he's working on a prequel series to the original films he starred in. Stallone took to Instagram to post a glimpse of a handwritten story treatment for the project. He's aiming for a 10-episode initial run and potentially multiple seasons on a streaming service. Stallone says... I started out this morning by writing a treatment for Rocky prequel stream for streaming. Ideally, 10 episodes for a few seasons to really get to the heart of the character, uh, the characters in their younger years. Here is a small portion of how my creative writing process starts. Hope it happens. And then I needed to clear my head, so I went fishing. Talk about extremes. Keep punching, my friends. And so... uh yeah, two years ago, Stallone said he'd been reflecting on the possibility of a Rocky prequel for a streamer platform, but franchise producer Erwin Winkler disagreed with a TV approach. But it's happening now. Rocky prequel, I mean, does this make any sense? Because, I mean, I get it. Like, when we first meet the fighter, he's like, is he, is, he's like in his early 30s, I believe, when we first meet the fighter. And so, but it's kind of like an origin story even then. I guess you could go back to like his younger years, but man, he was never like, I mean, he, he just, he fought on the side and like when we first meet him, he's fight, he just got done fighting Spider Rico and like these are just like, these are nobodies. He's fighting nobodies. I, I don't, I, yeah, what's to learn about the character from a prequel? Well, I mean, we would learn about, like how he got involved with being like he was basically like he would go around and collect money for the mafia, 
He's kind of like hired muscle for the mafia. He would go around and collect money for them. That's like kind of like where we meet. I don't really care though. I I, I don't give a fuck about. It. I, I I wanted you know I saw the story that I wanted to see. Um, when when we're first introduced to him in in 1976's Rocky, you know, like that's I don't I I don't know if I need any of this. And yeah, and and if it's I have to agree. And if it's not Stallone playing the part. Which they could get a body double, they could de-age him if they really put the money into this. Um, but yeah. it, but if they cast somebody else as, as Stallone as a young Stallone, it, that doesn't work for me either. Well, you're gonna have to inject him with Novocaine and half his face for the entire time. Uh, I'm just saying, like you know, they made Kurt Russell look like Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy. If like somebody wanted to drop yeah. a, enough money into this to DH him, but to DH him over ten episodes for a season is gonna be expensive as shit. Very expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. And uh, I don't need this. I say no to a Rocky prequel. I, I love that Stallone. Is wanting to to do things. I love that he's wanting to stay busy here. I just think that he his energy should be he should put forth his energy on something different and not a rocky. If he prequel. wants to do a if he wants to do a prequel to a classic Stallone character, I'd rather see a Rambo prequel, like his actual time in the war. Yeah, that'd be way more interesting. I think to see where he like ended up, why he ended up with all that PTSD, and why he went off. And did what he did in the first movie. Yeah, you could introduce a lot of interesting characters too that probably you know pass away, which it contributed to his PTSD. And I just think there's a lot more material there than and more to learn about the character and why he is who he is than a Rocky prequel. Yeah, yeah. Not that I'm dying for a Rambo prequel either, but it would make, <laughs> it would make a lot two. more sense than this. Yeah, I want a I want a Cobra sequel. <laughs> I fucking I did, I fucking loved Cobra when I was a kid, man. Oh yeah, it was great. I loved Cobra. I don't think you. I don't know if you could stream Cobra anywhere. Give me a Demolition Man prequel. A prequel to Demolition Man? <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> So is a Rocky prequel. The demolition pre, the demolition man prequel shows you how Taco Bell became. <laughs> it's that goddamn Crunchwrap Supreme. That's yeah, won everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. I got news from Variety. What's this? Oh, Netflix buys Knives Out sequels for four hundred and fifty million dollars. So Netflix is plunking down an astounding four hundred and fifty million dollars. For the rights to Knives Out 2 and Knives Out 3, the next two follow-ups to the 2019 murder mystery, the films will reunite director Ryan Johnson and star Daniel Craig, who teamed up so memorably on the first detective story. So yeah, uh, getting, uh, it's not just, it's not just, uh, two, it's three as well. Um, the article does say it's unclear if the films will have a theatrical release in addition to their streaming runs on Netflix. So, uh, and we do know that the family from the first movie will not be involved in this. Jamie Lee Curtis had a, I think an Instagram post where she basically kind of like gave a little bit of fan fiction of like where those characters are now. And it was pretty funny. 
but uh, it'll yeah, be a com- she, she's she was a great sport she was she was so we're gonna we're gonna get uh you know completely new mystery it feels like in uh knives out two and then knives out three and uh how do you feel about this though i mean uh i i i i gotta believe that there was some competition as far as like you know netflix getting this i think like you know apple tv and HBO Max probably were trying to outbid them and Prime. Prime. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big get. I guess I'm fine with it. I, I but I mean, is is this the future of movies just going straight to to Netflix now? Like this was this was a theatrical release, guys. Like and now like this probably might just be a Netflix movie. Like, you know, it'll be like, uh, you know, coming April of 2023, you know, May 2023, Knives Out, or November, whenever the fuck it gets released. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I'm all here for Knives Out sequels, but it's just a little saddening knowing that we won't be able to see it in the theater, most likely. I mean, like you said, I guess that that chance is there. But I mean, Roma, Roma was released theatrically, and that was Netflix. Um, Yeah, that's true. I also worry about... um, what this means for casting like is he still going to be able to get you know a lot of big gets i mean a lot of people were really uh wanting adam driver i mean i guess he did marriage story for netflix so he's not unobtainable but i just wonder how it affects those kinds of things i think i think dude honestly i think i think actors are kind of like i think they know that people are watching netflix man it keeps them I, it, it, the landscape is changing, and and, and I, I, yeah, I, I do think we're we're witnessing a a change of how we think of movies and how we think of consuming media. I think the pandemic definitely accelerated that process, but it was one that was already in the works before theaters were closed. Uh, and well, and actors are changing the way that they think about like yeah. movies as well. And, and, and it started even happening before the pandemic. Like, oh yeah, like mm-hmm. like TV act, like movie actors were just like they're making movies and that's it. And I know you have your holdouts. You have people that will only make movies. You know, we're not going to get an announcement that Tom Cruise or Nicolas Cage are going to be doing a TV series. Like those guys are movie guys. Although they're, that would be fucking amazing. Those guys are movie guys. They they make movies. I have they, we're not. I, I don't think we're getting announcements that those guys are going to be flipping and doing any TV series. But like now we're seeing like we're seeing guys like uh, you know that 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 bounce from TV to movies. And I think that's that's where it started. You know, it's like Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, True Detective. Like that was a big one. That was a big one. Or like. Glenn Close in uh, The Closer, I think she did. Yeah, yeah. And then also Glenn Close now doing a Netflix film in Hellbilly Elegy. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, I think the lines have been blurred quite a bit between uh, TV and movies uh, with with the streaming stuff where there's so much money and content available to uh, sink your teeth into. Yeah, um, and I think the the stigma of being a TV actor is pretty much gone for the most part. Because I know, like all throughout the '90s and the early 2000s, there was there was a stigma 
in Hollywood about being a TV actor versus being a movie actor. Totally. Yeah. And now those lines are kind of gone and, and it's all kind of the same thing now. You've got Jason Bateman doing big Hollywood movies, but then he's also doing Ozark on Netflix. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's changed. So yeah, I, I, Jake, I'm, I'm also mixed on this one, man. I hope that they, I hope it does get a theatrical run of some kind. Cause that's a, that I, dude, I loved my theatrical experience for Knives Out. It was so awesome. Yeah. What a great movie to see. I got to see it like early with a huge crowd. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a great fucking uh, theatrical movie. And, and I, I kind of like the fact that it's going to be centered around Benoit Blanc. Yeah. Because he is the least interesting part of Knives Out. So, like, to have the least interesting part be in the constant thread throughout the movies makes those movies more interesting, I think, where the, everybody else is going to be, a, like, a bigger part than the continuing thread like that that's kind of a cool way of, of making a movie he was so good in that role though he was yes oh my god he was so good he was so fucking good so yeah knives out let's uh let's jump into some marvel news here guys i got a little bit of marvel news I mean, some of it's bullshit though hold on news dude i read this uh, is comicbook.com and they had this fucking article titled dr strange 2 benedict cumberbatch had to hide during zoom interview because marvel is keeping his appearance a secret and i'm just like ooh, what's this all about and dude it's like there have been reports that the, the source of supreme will receive a new costume in the sam raimi follow-up cumberbatch also went viral earlier that in the year for being spotted sporting with his own goatee after having worn a fake one in the first feature um i don't they're, they're, but the, so it's clickbait the, we're hiding his goatee what the fuck there's nothing in this article that like makes you think like if the actor was on screen in the Zoom call that it would reveal anything major about this movie at all. It was just the dumbest fucking article that I've read <laughs> this week. <laughs> CBR is real hit and miss like that. They will really no. This was not CBR. Like this was ComicBook.com, not Comic Book Resources. Oh, oh. Both, okay. both, both put out a lot of stuff, and yeah, I mean. Both comicbook.com and CBR are better, in my opinion, now than Screen Rant is. So I will say that. Ooh, how the mighty has fallen. Screen Rant used to be fantastic, in my opinion. They were a great. Yeah, yeah now it's real clickbaity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. They have they they are super clickbaity and super spoilery with their titles day of, and it pisses me off. Yeah, and also like there's a lot of supposition that they put into their actual news articles where it's it's a lot of this like speculation about oh this is what this means it's like wait a second no 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 you're not reporting on the facts you're just 
extrapolating from a tidbit of information you right. may have gotten from a third party source. That's not reporting. That's not news. And they played That's- a, they played to both sides. Let's say there's a big reveal in a new episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then they'll have one article titled why so-and-so showing up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier is the best thing that's happened. And then a day later, they'll have another article saying why so-and-so showed up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier is the worst thing that's ever happened. And it's just, fuck off. I'm sorry. Just fuck off, like, with that shit. Yeah, like, have a separate opinion section for those kind of takes rather than putting that on the main page. Yeah. You know, like... We we want information, but we don't really always want uh, opinion pieces about certain things. When it was the original owner of Screen Rant, I think his name was Vic. I can't remember his last name, but when he sold it, that's when it went downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next story is I, actually. I, I used to check that. I used to check that site every single day. Me too. Now I check it maybe once a week. Yeah, I, they used to be a big source. <laughs> they used to be a big source that I went to. Funny enough, our next story is from Screen Rant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder uh, casts Russell Crowe in surprise role, according to Deadline. I should have just went to Deadline. Russell Crowe joined the cast. <laughs> joined the cast of Thor: Love and Thunder in a top secret role. Crow's involvement was revealed after the actor was spotted with the cast and crew at an Australian rugby game. Marvel hoped to keep the part secret reportedly to surprise viewers with a fun cameo, but now fans will be left to wonder who the gladiator and man of steel actor plays in Thor love and thunder. Um, any guesses? They've got a guess in here and I think it's fucking hilarious. Any guesses as to who he's going to be playing? Not at the top of my head. I mean, I, the first thing I think of is maybe he's another one of the actors in the uh, whatever they're going to do with <laughs> Matt Damon and yeah. Melissa McCarthy. That's, I mean, yeah, that's that's what they say here. He could join Matt Damon, Sam Neill, Luke Hemsworth, and Melissa McCarthy as the as, as Guardian actors, recreating events from Thor Ragnarok. This is what I love, and I think this is great. Crow could hilariously play Hulk in the recreation. And provide a great deal of comedy to the scenes. That would be great if they fucking painted him green and had him playing Hulk <laughs> fighting Luke Hemsworth's Thor in a recreation of the battle that they had together in Ragnarok. Love it. That's hilarious. I also would be down with him playing a recreation of Scourge. Oh, yeah. I'll the, see him with the shake the weight. Car- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're also saying that um, he could be the voice of Beta Ray Bill. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. If he's the voice of Beta Ray Bill, though, then what's he needed on set for? There are also options like Crow playing Odin's brother, Cole Borson. Thor's half-brother, Balder the Brave, or a future version of old Thor. So all of those are possible. Uh, and my, I think, I think him playing, um, Odin's brother is a possibility that, that could work. That lines up pretty well. Yeah. Huh. Not familiar with that character really at all. Um, it's not yeah. even really a character in the actual mythology either. 
I, American Gods introduced like a a version of of Odin's brother, I believe, but I can't remember if his name was Cole Borson. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Uh, well, I don't know. It's been a long time since I thought about this stuff, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. My 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 fucking Norse mythology is not that. Uh, I got a bit rusty. Up. A little rusty. A little rusty. I do, I do like the idea of Balder being introduced into the mythology of the MCU. Yeah, I just, But he's too old for that character. Okay. Well, I, you know, I thought, I thought Brie Larson was going to be too young to play Captain Marvel. It's, it's whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But Balder is Thor's younger brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does that makes zero sense then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, let's see here. Is that all yeah, that's all I got for fucking Marvel news. Um <laughs> Slow Marvel Week. Slow Marvel Week. I do have and then we've got one story apiece here for DC and Star Wars. DC news. Ava DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's uh, Aquaman spinoff, The Trench, canceled. They're not. No, not The Trench. They're not. (laughs) I I honestly think I'm the only person that it's not like I'm crying over it, but I was like, I was like, fuck it, man. They they were talking about like doing like a horror movie with that shit, and I was just like, Yeah. yeah, that could be fun, right? Yeah, I was I was super intrigued by that. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the Snyderverse, so the fact that Aquaman uh, really broke a lot of those Snyderverse tropes uh, was was a lot of fun, and I, I thought the idea of a horror version of that world would be super interesting. But, uh, whatever, fuck it. Yeah, you know, if it's not happening, whatever. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, you know? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Is like, are, are people like hashtagging, you know, release the trench? <laughs> the trench. Save the trench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all know that online bullying can get you somewhere sometimes. Earlier I talked about French exit. This is trench exit. <laughs> 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 It's 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 when you give much like French eggs. You're not going to see it either. Yeah, (laughs) it's when you give Warner Brothers a laxative and they shit out the plans that they had for this movie. Um, (laughs) I I I took a shit on that joke. Um, Let's see here. I love the brutal honesty there. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. I'm ashamed of myself in this moment. You know? <laughs> Just this moment? Wow. <laughs> Seriously, I like, I like want somebody to like take my face and rub it in that joke. <laughs> and then smack no. me in the head with a newspaper. No. <laughs> smack bad, me in the head with no. <laughs> Bad joke, Brian. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I you know I love Ava DuVernay. 
I just think with everything that's going on with DC right now, and it felt like some of these plans to have her make this movie were like years ago, you know? And, and I, I feel like, I feel like they just need a complete, like, they just need to wipe the slate clean with a lot of stuff and they just need to start over. I don't think that they were ready for it. And maybe it wouldn't have fit in with they, what they got going on now. And maybe Ava Duvernay, maybe Ava DuVernay and James Wan will have other opportunities with, uh, with DC Warner Brothers going forward. But I do think that they're making the right decision right now of kind of just like resetting, resetting. you know, and it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame because I, I, you know, I like, I like both of these directors and, you know, and it sounded like from her quotes that she had a lot of fun, um, you know, working with, um, you know, the, the writer of, uh, New Gods. She like, you know, she, she did, I think she did put out a tweet saying, you know, she had a lot of fun working with the writer and, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it sucks that this is happening, but, you know, me, I can't see, I, 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 she's going to be doing other things. Don't worry about, I don't, don't worry about Ava DuVernay. Yeah, don't worry about, fine. yeah, don't, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Don't worry about James Wan. He'll be fine. I just think that, yeah, she, so, she, uh, she was working with, um, oh God. Uh, was it Tom King? Tom and I, Tom, I loved writing New Gods with you, DuVernay wrote on Twitter, along with a photo of herself with King. I'm upset that the saga of Barda, Scott, Granny, High Father, and the Furies ends this way. Diving into Kirby's fourth world was the adventure of a lifetime. That can't be taken away. Thank you for your friendship, and remember, Dark Side is. Hashtag Dark Side is. So, um... Yeah, these these movies aren't happening. I'm not going to lose any sleep, and I, I just I do think that Warner Brothers just needs to kind of like, you know, fucking wipe the slate clean, hit the reset button, and and go ahead with you know James Gunn's new Suicide Squad. Let's let's figure out what the fuck we're doing in the Splash movie, and let's go forward from there. All right, let's and having <laughs> the uh, the Batman movie, the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson movie, set on Earth Two yeah. really helps. I yeah. think with that too. I agree. I agree. And let's get let's get uh, Wonder Woman back on track. Yeah. <laughs> I think Patty. I think Patty Jenkins is a great director, but man, that that fucking the script, man, on that was a was a mess. Ugh, that that yeah. movie was a mess. I, I oh my god! I, I recently talked, you know, replied to one of Rebecca's posts on on Facebook and whatnot, talking about my. Uh, there's only ten DCEU movies that are out, and I ranked them for her. And and Wonder Woman Part Two is my second to last entry <laughs> on that list. What's your worst? The theatrical Justice League. Yeah, I, solid I, pick, dude. I, I, man, I'll say this: that the the action scene at the beginning of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League with Wonder Woman was fucking incredible. I needed that. That was a nice palate cleanser from you know some of the stuff that I saw in, in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I thought it was incredible. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean. Zack Snyder is really good at action scenes a lot of the time when he doesn't 
slow it down. That's just his, that's just his thing, man. I'm so used to it. <laughs> the the slow mo. I, I, I know it bothers a lot of people. Like it, uh, it it's well, not it's one of those. The over reliance on it. I know like, he does it a lot. He does it a lot. It doesn't it doesn't bother me as much as it does some other people. But I get it. I get I get people getting upset with it. But it like when I see it, it does it doesn't it doesn't infuriate me. It doesn't infuriate me. It just like. It makes it not as interesting to me. Like it just, it just turns me off of the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. you can do an action sequence in real time and have it be effective. You don't need to put it in slow mo for us to see every little last. I think when you're working with like you know basically demigods that move so fast that I feel like sometimes you have to slow it down for us to see like what she's doing. I have a problem with the slow mo when I'm watching a movie like The Kingsman. Well, yeah, like <laughs> that too. <laughs> but I everybody, mean, everybody. Wrong. Here's the thing, though. Everybody fucking loved that movie, except for me and Jake. Everybody fucking loved The Kingsman, and like most people did. Most people loved that movie, Neil. And like, I think that was like I, one I of like the, the ass fuck joke at the end. That was fun. The it's <laughs> just like you know that the whole the action scenes where it gets slowed down in 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 The Kingsman. Just I was just kind of like. I was just like out on that. Style. Yeah. What's, yeah. I was just out on that. Like, I never the, the Kingsman with the to second me, one. Neither did I. I heard it was trash. I didn't either. I mean, the Kingsman to me was like a Zack Snyder clone. And I don't like Zack Snyder's style. So, like, it didn't really work for me. Uh, <laughs> I like Zack Snyder's style so much that I started to replicate his wardrobe, dude. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about boner jams. <laughs> Isn't there another Kingsman, like a prequel? Yeah, it's, have come it's out called The King's Man or something. Oh, clever. It is. It's super <laughs> clever, dude. It's the most clever thing ever, Jake. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's supposed oh to be coming out this year. It was supposed to come out last year, but then it kept getting pushed and pushed. It's supposed to come out this year, I think. December 22nd. There you go. There you go. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to King's man. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> At least we have just devolved into like the dumbest comedy ever. Like it's not even funny. The stuff that we're saying is not even funny. It's just the dumbest shit. It's embarrassing. It's 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 so embarrassing. Then why did I snot on myself a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> Oh man! Should have played the hunter theme song earlier. I'm gonna start. Anytime, Jake, in the future, if you snot on yourself, just wipe it up with cascatelli. It just absorbs all that sauce and porkability. Yeah, I want the snot to sit there for 12 weeks until I get the fucking shit. That's true. That's true. You gotta wait twelve weeks for. That's ridiculous. I bought it. Might I think? That, and I, I think I do. I think like the shipping on it was like eight bucks. I ended up spending like thirty bucks on this shit. I spent like I spent well, like one pack or what? I don't know. I spent thirty bucks on fucking dry noodles. <laughs> what a racket! I mean, what the fuck am I doing? 
I should not buy shit late at night. Like, I, and that's oh. a dude. The worst is when I fucking podcast on here and I get drunk and shit. I'll get on my phone and then I'll get on Amazon. And I'll be like, oh my god, I gotta get that. I fucking like, I'll forget, dude. I fucking like a week later, I get like a, an air fryer in the mail, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I forgot I ordered that. <laughs> I fucking love it though. My air fryer is fucking dope as shit. I love that thing. I love my air fryer so much. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Yeah, it's so awesome. Look at it over there. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a little Star Wars droid. Like if it had wheels, it could just like go around my house and shit. Dude, listen to this shit. I fucking bought. I went on Kickstarter and I fucking bought. It's from more bots. It's a, it's, what do they call it? Scout. It's a scout bot. It's an autonomous robot. It's got wheels and it goes around your house like a Roomba. It's got a camera on it and it monitors your house. So like when oh, I'm, man. that'll be what? a cat fan favorite, dude. When I'm gone, I can monitor my house. So like it's got motion detection and and like if something moves in front of it, it starts recording. It'll send it to the cloud and I can watch the video. So like if somebody breaks into my house, I got this robot that will alert me. I fucking I fucking wow. back this thing on Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay. this, I don't know why, dude, why the fuck am I, get me away from this fucking shit. I buy the wow. dumbest stuff. <laughs> yeah, my, my late night Amazon purchases have been wonky as hell. What are you getting, dude? I'm getting like path lights and string lights and, and all sorts of weird ass like garden accessories <laughs> <laughs> like i get all trashed and and, and like oh i, I want to make my garden look a little cooler here we go <laughs> yeah, this is stupid let's do it <laughs> i want i want a podcast of like drunk green thumb neil and it's just That's like hilarious. Like like oh, man. every episode it's just like I don't know what I've ordered. We'll find out today. <laughs> I got bla- I got yes. I got wasted last night. Let's see what we got. Let's see what let's see what drunk Neil ordered last night. <laughs> let's see what I can't cancel anymore. Right. <laughs> oh fuck. I spent thirty fucking bucks on pasta. On a dry box of pasta. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Wait, is it just one box? I think he gets four. Oh, okay. Fuck, I just wanted one. <laughs> <laughs> I might just, I just, you know what? I just might give the other three boxes to people that are unhoused. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Finally. Unhoused. No, they had they had, no they have like uh these fucking uh, like food collections and stuff like that. They talk about it on the radio all the time. Honestly, Jake, I don't need three boxes of dry pasta. I probably <laughs> I probably I probably will be giving some of it away to people that are in need, dude. I don't there's uh, these people are going to be eating like there's going to be people <laughs> some unhomed person is going to be eating the most fucking fancy pasta. I know, ever. they're going to be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> The most epic pasta. This is, they're gonna be like, the forkability on this pasta is amazing. <laughs> and, then and then there's just some guy. The third one? <laughs> it was like, t- tooth sinkability. 
Yes. <laughs> Sauceability, forkability, tooth sinkability. Oh, yeah. There's got to be a better term for the last one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a workshop that. No, that's something like we would say on the show and we think it was so clever <laughs> and we'd all laugh like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for our dumb jokes. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Obi-Wan. We got some castings here. We got some, <laughs> we got the, uh, oh, Obi-Wan show. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Got some castings here. Obi- yeah. It's going to be directed by Deborah Chow and, uh, we know, uh, Ewan McGregor's coming back. Chris Hayden Christensen's coming back. But they cast uh, Moses Ingram, Joel Edgerton, Bonnie. What's her, what's her last name? She was in the Nexium thing. She was in that whole Nexium doc. She was part of that Nexium, that Allison Max sex cult. I don't. I don't know who that is. Bonnie. She played the no. uh, 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 Aunt Beru. Aunt Beru. Uh. Bonnie Peace. I can't. I don't know how to. So they're bringing back all of the prequel actors from the third episode into the show, right? Yeah, and then adding some new ones. We got Camille Nanjiani, uh, Indira Varma. Uh, Indira Varma. She she was like one of the what are they called the sea snakes in Game of Thrones? Is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah. Sand snakes. Sand snakes. Oh, yeah, from Zorn. <laughs> Sea snakes. I don't know. I saw. I saw. Like, <laughs> They're from the desert. <laughs> oh fuck you, Neil. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I read the books, man. Uh, <laughs> are there going to be any? Are there going to be any small droids in Obi Wan? You can get Peter Dinklage to play. Yes. Let's get him to play R2-D2. Peter Dinklage is playing the part of my air fryer over there in the (laughs) corner of my kitchen. (laughs) So was it his fault that... Hey, Peter, how you doing over there, buddy? (laughs) He's rolling around right now. Uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., that's Ice Cube's son. Uh, Sung Kang, who played Han in the Fast and Furious movies. Coming back. They showed the Fast and Furious trailer before, uh, the new Fast and Furious trailer before the, uh, the Kong movie, Jake. There's a new one? No, it was just like the same one we've been seeing for the past year. Hasn't it been pushed back another year? No, no, it's still, it's still coming out this year. Right? They didn't push it out another year, did they? I'm looking it up right now. I think it's still for this year. They they pushed it out a year initially last year, and everybody yeah, like, and everybody I thought was, they pushed it back again. Oh, I don't know about that. June twenty fifth, twenty twenty one is what's going on right now. Yeah, because okay. I, I thought it was supposed to be May of this year, so they might have pushed it back a little bit. It was supposed to be May. It was pushed back a month. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Benny, well, like Black Widow, got pushed back to fucking July. Yeah, July 9th. Benny Safty, one of the Safty brothers. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Good time. I don't know. It's supposed to, they're supposed to begin, uh, production in April here. So I think it's a solid cast. I think it's a solid cast they got here. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm excited to see who a lot of these people are going to be playing. And I also like the fact that they got, uh, uh, Hayden Christensen coming back for it. 
it'll be interesting. Yeah, everyone was such a big fan of his. It's great that he gets to do it again. <laughs> I want to see the redemption of Hayden Christensen. He he was actually a decent actor. He just was hampered by a terrible script, and he wasn't good enough to elevate it. Yeah, I just he's got to be weirded out by like how many positive reactions there are to him coming back. Like, what the fuck? You guys hated me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where was this love uh, ten years ago? There was literally not one positive reaction to anything he did in episode two or three. So uh, it's weird. Now it's, there's all this like retro Hayden Christensen love. I think it's I think it's younger people that have grown up now that grew up with it that didn't have like the the nitpicks and gripes that the older fans had. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it's like well, people that grew up with like little kids that grew up with Jar Jar Binks that thought that it was fun and cute and they enjoyed that character. You know, you see a lot of that now. I also think it's partly uh, older fans who have come to terms with the fact that George Lucas cannot write dialogue and have started to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for his performance because of the shit he was forced to work with. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I hope it's redemption for him, uh, but I just... I. I don't know. I don't know if we need to see more Vader. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I don't know, man. Well, I'm hoping that he's not going to be Vader at all. I'm hoping that he's going to be like a conscience or, you know, somebody that that Obi-Wan talks to, like, in his own head rather than the actual Vader Oh, well, that ain't happening. So, <laughs> so, you can hope all you want to, dude. He's coming back as Darth Vader, man. Yes. Yeah. Don't like that. Do you see they released all that classic Star Wars stuff on Disney Plus? I did. Yeah, I actually posted about that. They like the uh Caravan, it was a Caravan stuff. of Courage and the Ewok stuff and the big thing is that original Clone Wars hand-drawn animation cartoon. I, I've Back harped Shiva, on that. Right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, uh, no, it's... No, Tartakov. Uh, Tartakov. Yeah, yeah. Tartakovsky oh. or whatever the fuck it is. It's so fucking good. If you're a fan of his animation and Star Wars... So it, good. Oh, my God. It's amazing. There's, like, hardly any dialogue in it, just, like, most of his stuff. And it's just action, action, action. And just unlike anything you've ever seen. It's his best it, work, in my opinion. It, it's It's Samurai Jack with Star Wars basically. Yeah. It's it's so fucking good. I can't wait to watch it again. Speaking of that dude, Jake, I think Primal, the second part of Primal, comes out this month or it's already out. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to... If that's already out, I'm going to watch that this week. Yeah. Let's see here. Is that out? It might be out. I, I read something about it. I was like looking up new shit and what's coming out. That's all I got, guys. We're fucking done. I'm fucking... I'm so tired. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You get to bed. Get to bed. Oh, my God. And I can go to sleep at night. I will be able to go to sleep at night 
and get a great night's sleep and not worry about intruders because I got a little robot monitoring my house. <laughs> that sucks, man. I was totally going to come fucking steal that pasta. <laughs> I'll give you a goddamn box of the Cascatelli, Jake. Oh, it's the thrill of the hunt. Oh, it's the- <laughs> you got to wait three months, Jake. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's just camping out. Oh, I just... I- <laughs> Jake's just camping out, waiting for my fucking mailman to drop off pasta. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's funny. Jumping the fucking mailman every package I see, I'm like, what the fuck? What is this? Goose smelling soap? I don't want this. I want the fucking pasta, dude. Dude, I listen to this. I fucking last night. I fu- I'm doing subscription deodorant now. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I'm Wait, doing. I, I'm already doing subscription soap, and so I started. I was like, I do, I'm doing subscription deodorant now, and so they're sending me. It's cucumber and mint that I'm going to be rub, rubbing under my underarms, Jake. Man, that's that's a great flavor, though. I, I'd want to fucking drink that. It's a great fl- flavor. <laughs> drink it's, it's armpit juice. No, the cucumber <laughs> mint, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's gonna Jake's gonna camp out in front of my house. I'm gonna come home and see him sitting on my porch licking deodorant. <laughs> I'm gonna have a funnel under your fucking armpit. He's gonna Jake Jake's just rubbing that shit on the cascatelli pasta. <laughs> he's like he's like, oh my god, it's going you this wouldn't think my pesto, motherfucker. He, he's like fucking Gollum, like it's his precious. <laughs> all right jake it's fine you can have it all right buddy all right all right, all right. i'm i'm starting to shake less <laughs> all right guys we went the distance we went for speed mm. we were all alone in a time of, i'm done i'm done neil i am done fuck this episode this is so stupid Neil, where can people find you, sir? Uh, I'm on Smorgasbord, a Star Trek Universe podcast, found wherever you find your podcasts. I am on Twitter as myself and as Smorgasbord. All right. Check out Neil. Check out Smorgasbord. Listen to the – it's a three-part interview. First part is with Peter Billingsley. (laughs) Second part, they – they hold a seance to talk to the dead Barbara Billingsley. No, I'm kidding. Mm. Check out, check out Smorgasbord, everybody, with uh, Neil Follander and Stephen Farshid. And uh, guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode 376. See ya! We ended the episode twice this week. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it! <laughs> Yeah, see ya for Godzilla vs. Kong. <laughs> that was a smooth transition, dude. Yeah. I know dude, you're... I forgot, man. I fucking forgot. <laughs> I I didn't think about it until you said the catchphrase. And I was like, wait, I've heard this. Song. Oh, fuck. I've already. I, oh, Jake, Jake's like, this is ringing a bell like the Hunter theme song. <laughs> no, not like that at all. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
All right, guys. See you in a couple seconds when we talk about a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, later, y'all, until now. <laughs> I know Gia is only a child, but she's the only one Kong will communicate with. We need to help him find a new home. If he leaves, Godzilla will come for him. Godzilla had left us in peace. You provoked him into war. They have an ancient rivalry. There can't be two alpha titans. All right. Hey, we are back. We're talking about Godzilla versus uh, Kong, and we are joined now by Dan Hepner. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. Man, joining from the leftover army all-out attack monster squad podcast <laughs> Dawn of Breathe. Justice and the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Welcome. <laughs> Redux, yes. Yes, man. No, I'm, dude, really thrilled to fucking have you, uh, talking about this movie. This is like right up your alley. I don't know if people aren't familiar with your history with, uh, you know, Godzilla and kaiju movies, but, uh, that's how you found our podcast by listening to our Godzilla podcast back in 2014. And here you are talking with us today about uh, the latest entry in these movies. So happy to have you on, dude. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny way how the world works. It is. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dan, what I wanted to talk, I wanted, before we jump into this whole Godzilla versus King Kong thing, did you I, you, I don't know if you've listened to this or not, and you need to, dude, because you're a big Transformers guy, just like me. You're a bigger Transformers guy than me. Right. Have, have you listened to Robert Kirkman on the new ID10T podcast? No, I have not. Dude, you have got to listen to the, it's, uh, Chris Hardwick left Nerdist, sold Nerdist, and now he does ID10T, and he had Robert Kirkman on most recently, and I read the description of the episode, and it said that they talk about Transformers, the movie, the animated movie from 1986. I'm like, what? What in the hell? What? I got to listen to this. They're both huge fans of the movie. And Robert Kirkman says that that movie is the inspiration for a lot of his writing and The Walking Dead and all like the big surprise deaths that happen huh. in that movie. Are because in in that show in Walking Dead, that's why characters die. Glenn dies. These characters die is because when he went into the theater and watched Transformers the animated movie after watching you know the two previous seasons, now you got Megatron fucking busting into the Autobot ship and killing uh, Ironhide and Brawn and Ratchet. And I was just like, oh my god, Kirkman loves this shit. It's you got to listen yeah. to it, man. No, I just looked it up and uh, bookmarked the website, so I'll be checking that out afterwards. Yeah, and anybody else who wants to listen to it, check it out. But it's really cool to hear uh, Robert Kirkman talk about his love for <laughs> the animated Transformers the movie. It is so fucking cool. So, yeah, before uh, – yeah, you know, another thing that I want to talk about is before – I saw this movie in um, IMAX with Dolby Atmos sound – and they played the new Suicide Squad trailer that they dropped on Thursday. They played it the day before, and I was like, what the fuck? This is not the same trailer. 
<laughs> and I was just kind of like, I was blown away. I love this trailer just as much as the first one. And we got to see Polka Dot Man in action. Yeah, that was the best part, seeing him throw them dots. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. And then what was More it? John Cena dialogue, too, that really cracked me up. Yeah, saying something like he'll kill everybody for peace if he has to or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. <laughs> Guys, we so are... Good. It was fantastic. Guys, we're going to be jumping into this movie. We're going to be talking about spoilers, so I am going to play the official spoiler warning for Godzilla vs. Kong. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right, Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home. Along for the ride is Gia, an orphaned girl who has a unique and powerful bond with the mighty beast. However, they soon find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla as he cuts a swath of destruction across the globe. The initial confrontation between the two titans, instigated by unseen forces, is only the beginning of the mystery that lies deep within the core of the planet. Godzilla vs. Kong is directed by Adam Wingard. It serves as a sequel to both Godzilla, King of the Monsters 2019, and Kong Skull Island 2017. It is the fourth film in Legendary's MonsterVerse. It is also the 36th film in the Godzilla franchise, the 12th film in the King Kong franchise, and the fourth Godzilla film to be completely produced by a Hollywood studio. And um, Adam Wingard, this director, uh, this is the guy that's going to be doing the new Thundercats movie, and he's uh, one of the directors on the horror VHS anthology, the first one. Have you guys seen VHS? No. No. Fan-fucking-tastic movie. It is a great horror movie. It's an anthology of different horror stories. He's one of the directors on there. He also directed Your Next, and he directed an episode of Outcast, which ironically is based on the Robert Kirkman comic Outcast. And uh, Godzilla vs. Kong stars Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Sean Uguri, Isa Gonzalez, Julian Dennison, Lance Reddick, Kyle Chandler, and Demian Bashir. And we are going to be rating this one. So I want to know your ratings. And I'm going to start with Neil. What did you think about Godzilla versus Kong? Yeah, I, I so I watched uh, the 2014 movie on Monday. I watched the 2019 movie on Tuesday. Uh, in preparation for this, because I hadn't seen either one before. And this, I think, was superior to both of those. This was a lot of fun. Um, we'll get into it, but I- I'll give it a high taste it, because it-, it, it was a really fun little romp. I liked it a lot. All right. Uh, Jake, what did you think? Um, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. Um, when we saw the Kong versus Godzilla action scenes happening... It was at its best, um, but it was at its worst when we were seeing anything to do with Millie Bobby Brown, <laughs> her dumb friend, and the Julian Dennison. Yeah, I honestly, that's what kept this from being a Tupperware for me was every scene dealing with those characters. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste. It though, it's a super fun popcorn movie, but try not to think too hard about the plot points going on and. I was very disgusted with how they dealt with Mechagodzilla at the end of the movie, too. Like, I, I, I couldn't have groaned louder that spilled boot. If you need someone to spill shit to save the day, government, call me up, dude. I accidentally spill shit all the fucking time. I, I will save you from every 
fucking monster possible. So hit me up. Uh, let's see here. I have, uh, I have not Tupperware'd a single one of these movies. And, uh, I think it was Skull Island I thought was okay. I thought the last King of the Monsters movie was better. I thought, I think I gave that a high taste that, um, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, I, I, I absolutely loved this fucking movie. I, I had a blast. I had so much fun with this movie. I even liked the stupid fucking side characters. I, I, I even liked Millie Bobby Brown and Brian, Brian, Brian I loved them. I loved them. I thought I had so much fun with this fucking movie. You would not believe it. I, I've seen it twice. I saw it in the theater and then I watched it again today in preparation for the podcast. But man, what I think watching it in the theater like really elevates this movie. It is just, it is fucking incredible in the theater um the the sound and just the size of these fucking titans going at going at each other and uh i thought i at first i wasn't into alexander skarsgård's character and then i started to buy it later and i even got i even chuckled at like the whole coward thing that came into play <laughs> with the little girl at the end and i was like he really you know he, you know he he doesn't look like the classic like you know you know uh scientist guy guy coming up with theories and stuff but i think he i think he pulled it off in the end and i had so much fun we'll t- we'll unpack it a little bit more but i i give it a tupperware i absolutely loved this movie i was cheering for you know the you know the the kaiju that i wanted to win and then I, I, I just, it was fun. It was fun. And yes, yeah, some of the shit that happens in it is so dumb, but I just shut my brain off and I had fun watching it. Um, Hepner, what did you think about, uh, Godzilla versus Kong? Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste as well. Um, Jake, aside from the Mecha Godzilla thing you said at the end there, I agree with you completely on everything else. Yeah, the movie shines when it's not taking itself too seriously, but yeah, the, uh, the Bernie, Madison, and Josh plotline feels very unnecessary, and it, there's problems there. It's what ultimately keeps it from being a Tupperware is particularly that plotline. And some other bits and bobs here and there, but ultimately it is a shut off your brain as much as you can and just enjoy the ride and don't think too hard on it. And that's fine. I don't think it's the best one out of this series. Um, I think King of the Monsters uh, from 2019 is by far my favorite. It's in my top ten for the genre entirely. Um, but, you know, that one has a lot more grandeur and majesty to it, and it's taking itself a lot more seriously, and whether you like that or not, your mileage varies. But this one is very clearly just a, hey, it's Godzilla, it's Kong, we're going to just do a thing here and just enjoy it, and enjoy it, and I very much did. What I, okay, I'm going to jump into this. Now I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to kind of def, I'm going to try to defend myself and why I like those characters, okay? <laughs> Madison, okay. Bernie, and Josh. This is what I like so much about them. And maybe it's just because of like all the stuff that we've been watching lately, but 
you know, we all just got done watching WandaVision. Every week we're theorizing and we're always trying to figure out what's going on in that show. And I, and I really related to these characters because you had Madison <laughs> who's listening to this podcast of, you know, Brian Tyree Harry's character of Bernie and he's theorizing about like what Apex is doing. And like these are some outlandish theories that he's coming up with, but like his theories are right on the money. Like what is Apex doing? Why is Godzilla reacting the way he's reacting? Why after five years is Godzilla attacking Pensacola? This is my theory, blah, blah, blah. And he's so into it. He's so into it. And she's so into his podcast and like listening to his theories to the point where like, you know, she goes to visit him and everything. And I just really connected with that storyline for some reason because of all the theorizing that we do <laughs> as fans of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and, and DC and all the things that we watch, we theorize every week. She is so invested in the kaiju. She's lived through it. She's invested in this. She, you know, and she's putting these pieces together. I liked how she took control in this. And I really, once I, once I looked at those characters in that light, I really appreciated them being part of the story and figuring out like what's going on on the apex side of things as far as like, why are they doing this? And I thought the villain, his motivations were super cheesy, but also super fucking fun. Like that's the shit we grew up with when we were watching cartoons back in the day is like the villain wants to be the most powerful. You know, we got to get back at the top of the food chain. We got to be the apex predator. And I was just like, man, this is so much fucking fun. It's cheesy as shit, but I fuck, I'm having a blast watching it. And that's why, that's why I liked those characters while I was watching this movie. That's a solid reasoning there, Brian. I can't fault you at all there. It yeah, just, seriously. It reminded me yeah. so much of, like, Jake Lloyd's Anakin Skywalker in, in episode one. It's like <laughs> they just they just bumbled their way into solving everything, and it was never – it never really felt like it was their smarts or, engine, you know, or them figuring anything out. It was just like, oh, we tripped, and we're in this thing that's going to take us to Apex. <laughs> yeah, they really pull Homer Simpsons frequently. And, but, yeah, the movie, the movie is just a cartoon and good. Like, it doesn't need to be anything more than that. Dude, and, you know, I mean, on top of all that, I mean, we had, I I, I just, I we had Kong and Godzilla going toe-to-toe. And then I loved, like, the technology that they used in this. I loved the the heaves that were developed, that mm-hmm. uh, these, you know, these crafts that were able to, you know, uh, handle the pressure exerted by the gravity field that we had, you know, when on their way to Hollow Earth. I thought Hollow Earth was awesome. Um, I loved seeing fucking King Kong sitting on his throne in Hollow Earth. I loved him picking up that fucking axe. I, dude, I was, I was so into this fucking movie. Like when he, when he's on the battleship, dude, and when he's on that aircraft carrier and he's all chained up and shit, I'm like, oh my God, how is he going to break free? And then, <laughs> and then you got the human characters doing shit. You got fucking Alexander Skarsgård, who we thought was going to be Aquaman at one time, swimming underwater and freeing the fucker. And then at the, and then, oh my god, it was fucking on at that point, man. I loved it. I had so much fun. The action scenes were incredible. We really got to see, like, the scale of these creatures. Like, when we went to fucking Neon Tokyo, oh my oh, god. Awesome. We saw it in the trailer. We saw it in the trailer, Jake, but my god, watching it, watching it was amazing. Neon Tokyo was fucking gorgeous and amazing, and they're just using this 
urban landscape as their fucking like fighting arena. And it was awesome. It was like playing those kaiju video. It was like playing Rampage. What was that? King of the Monsters that we used to play on the Neo Geo at the arcade. It was, dude, it was this. I had just a blast with this movie, man. I I am in love with this fucking movie. This movie makes me want to buy an 85-inch screen TV right now. And I just want to... <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I watched it. Was I actually had a small group of friends come over last night, and we watched it on my 70-inch TV. And yeah, it was a pretty good experience doing it. Also, by the way, it's Hong Kong, not Tokyo, just so people aren't coming at you for it. Oh, oh, ex- oh Jesus Christ. Oh my God! Earlier, I we we almost <laughs> we, we talked about homeless people and their their what what are they what are they Neil unhoused, unhoused the unhoused so yeah now I'm just fucking dude I'm gonna get canceled <laughs> <laughs> we knew it would happen eventually it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a matter of time <laughs> you guys are talking about hollow earth Brian you're a hollow human being sir. <laughs> Dude, I loved when Godzilla fucking shot all the way down to hollowed earth with this fucking shit. Like, I, I kept thinking, like, who has to fix that after this is all said and done? I don't think there is a fixing that. That's just there now forever. <laughs> just put yellow tape around that motherfucker. And- Wouldn't that be crazy if that fucking Jessica girl that fell down the well fell down that thing? <laughs> How unlucky can you get? This time the rescue world's, the world's biggest sinkhole. This time rescue crews are just like fuck it. Two times no, we're done. We're done. <laughs> R.I.P. Baby Jessica. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I loved when they finally like kind of got along. It, it actually kind of reminded me of Step Brothers when they when they take turns roaring in each other's faces. <laughs> I was like, in my head, I'm like, are we best friends now? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I was getting some uh, BVS vibes from it. Oh, like, for sure. But, but, but like, done properly? You know, like, it wasn't because of some, you know, it wasn't because of Mothra or anything that they became friends. It was because they were teaming up against a bigger antagonist, which is a way more natural way of doing it. And it, it just... <laughs> I, Mothra. Yeah, I, I love, Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like because the, the battles were fucking epic. There, I, I loved all of the giant kaiju monster action. That was so much fun. And like all of these movies, I mean, I'm not a huge fan. Like, I, I don't dislike these movies as a genre, but I don't like search them out ever. Um, so if you can entertain me with them, I'm all in on it. And it's always the human characters that kind of bring me out of it or take me out of it. Um, the one exception in this one was that little girl, uh, that deaf girl. Maybe it's because she didn't say anything, so she didn't take me out of it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but, she's, not a, she's not a Kendra. <laughs> but she was fantastic. I loved that scene with her and Kong near the end. It was very touching. Brought tears to my eyes. Um with, with that relationship that she had, that she had formed with, with this giant fucking King Kong. It, w- it was really, really fun. Um, there was one scene where, um, uh, I think it was, Hulk, it was, uh, Kong was smashing this dragon thing, like, uh, Hulk for, and, and Loki and, and the Avengers just back and forth, you know, puny God thing. It was super fun. Where he, or when he tossed that fucking fighter jet, like a dart. Oh, 
That was one of my favorite parts, dude. If they would have played fucking, if they would have played Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone in that moment, just for, (laughs) just for fucking five seconds, I would have just, I would have fist pumped. You basically just get the do 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 do. Yes. (laughs) Just record scratches at that point. Like, oh no no. <laughs> oh dude, this this movie, the way it's shot when they're in any kind of vehicle, like a like a plane or a, or one of the heaves, it felt like they were basically just teasing Universal's next ride. Oh, <laughs> oh I could yeah, totally, totally see that. Totally. Yeah, especially like when they at the end come out of the whole Godzilla blue in and they go past Kong and they go through the building right next to Godzilla. That's one hundred percent what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, that's a hundred percent what I'm talking about. Like, felt- oh man, that's an amazing three D experience. So dude, for the next ride, let's go. That's the ride that I want now, dude. <laughs> like you have no idea. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question. But I just want to get confirmation from, you know, you guys that watched it as well. The telepathically controlled Mecha Godzilla, it's controlled by Ren Sirizawa, and then he basically uh gets electrocuted, and at that moment, what takes over through the neural networks that they have from the severed head of Ghidira, that is one hundred percent Ghidira taking over, correct? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just wanted to get confirmation. I thought I read that correctly, but my God, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and there are little extra subtle hints to it. Like once Ghidorah takes over the the mech and everything, there is a slight change in the actual roar that has a little bit more of the KOTM Ghidorah roar in there as well. It's, it's subtle, but of course I'm going to be the one who notices that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got Neil on this episode to talk about Klingon dicks if we need it, and now we've got Hepner on here to give us all the intricacies of the uh, kaiju universe. This is fantastic. Um, I just, oh my god, I just, I, I, I fucking loved this movie. It's silly how much I enjoyed this movie, and it's silly how much I love this movie, Jay. I'm jealous that you got to see it in the theater. I bet the audio and the sound was just fucking amazing. That's one element that I really didn't get to experience. I don't really have the best sound system at home in an apartment, but I bet just the booms and the smacks and the hits. It was, uh, it was incredible. It was, uh, Dolby Atmos and they, like, it was the first showing at four o'clock on Wednesday. And they had the audio cranked. They had, and it was, it was a sold out crowd. They, they had sold out, uh, the 415 and then the 715. Both of them were sold out that day. And uh, I guess this movie has just done huge numbers internationally already. Um, I think yeah. China just blew up. Like it's the first like really big kind of like movie, uh, you know, you know, post, I get not, not post COVID, but during COVID that's actually been making some really good money in the theater. Yeah, and I mean, I'm glad to see that because I've been tracking the numbers a little bit as well. And yeah, it's nice to see that because, you know, the other movies in this MonsterVerse have not had the best financial success in the box office. And then, of course, critic reviews have been mixed in general with it. So I'm happy to see the like, hey, it's doing good numbers for the circumstances that we're in. Yeah. what Adam Wingard is a director. What do you guys think? I thought he did great. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of people always complain with some of these movies 
whether it's this or the Pacific, the first Pacific Rim movie, but all, all these fights always happen at night. You can't see anything because they're trying to hide <laughs> the CGI and everything. Fair. I don't mind it so much, but it is actually kind of nice to see most of the fights in the day or at least brightly lit with the neon lights of Hong Kong and everything. So it is nice to see that. And it is an interesting change of pace. I kind of sat there and went, oh, my God, we're actually seeing the whole thing. And the effects hold up. It looks good. And he did a very good job of, especially in the fights, continuing to make sure that the kaiju all have that weight and mass. So they're not just like, you know, without weight flying around like in the Bayformers movies to keep that mass, to keep that uh, size to um and making sure that every motion has weight behind it is good that they've remained consistent on. And he did a very good job of it. Also, the pacing, I thought, was pretty well done. Oh, God, yeah. The way interspersed scenes mm-hmm. uh, it, it kept flowing. You were never without a big fight for very long. Um, those scenes with the people... Uh, they were short enough and, and concise enough that it was like, okay, whatever. We're, we're past that now. I mean, for me, obviously, Brian, you really enjoy that stuff, but I just want to, was... I want a whole people movie. <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you want that? What was it? 97 Godzilla? I want, I want to, I just want to, I want an, I want a fucking, I, I want this, I want a movie with them just sitting around eating cascatelli and letting us know what their thoughts are on that pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Will they be using the double pork ragu? <laughs> Dude, wouldn't well, it know, be? Uh, will be adding some bleach into the sauce. So, <laughs> cool. wouldn't it have been crazy if like Kong and Godzilla start roaring each other, and then they just look into each other's eyes and then just start making out? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I definitely had that thought too. Like, any moment, this is going to turn into a giant makeout session. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, going on what Neil said, I, I think the pacing was really good. And you know, to compare it again to Batman versus Superman, one of the biggest flaws of that movie is how long it takes to get to the title fight. And I really appreciated how fast we got to the first, you know blowdown between these two characters and the fact that we got to see it happen more than once like, oh yeah it's just so well paced water and then we got to see it in uh hong kong so, right right hepner yes <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then we got to see it again uh during like it was the morning in this in, in hong kong like it went from it went from night to morning correct yeah. 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 So we got the, I don't know. I, I, oh God. Me, I thought Mechagodzilla, I thought the creature design, the design looked really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I like it's it. All right. too. It's not my favorite Mechagodzilla design, but it's, it's not the by far the worst. So I, I appreciate made, it well enough. And it made sense in the world that we are, that the movie is set in. Exactly. Like it, it, it was, it was, it fit within that, created universe rather than being something completely out of left field and looking all fucking weird and shit. I like yeah. I liked it quite a bit. I loved uh when uh Mechagodzilla used the rocket thrusters to then punch Godzilla and just the way <laughs> oh my god. Just the speed and the force that he came 
at Godzilla, I was just like, oh my god, that that was just awesome when those rocket thrusters went off in the back. That was so cool. It is interesting because uh, Mechagodzilla almost always has been more of a glass cannon character with like tremendous large amounts of firepower. But if you're able to close the gap and get into like close combat, like he doesn't really stand a chance usually. So it was very momentarily jarring to be like, oh no, he can throw down too. Okay, cool. Nice. <laughs> I liked how much time the camera spent showing him, like, straightening his back spine when he first activated. I thought that was mm. really well done. <laughs> it's nice little bits of flair that are, like, good cinematically, but you'd sit there and go, well, why Why bother doing that? Who cares? It's real cool. No, I liked it. I, I thought it was, it was a nice moment to take a breather and show stuff like that. I, I thought it really emphasized, like, just how crazy of a creation that thing was. Yeah, the idea is always crazy of, like, we're going to make a robot Godzilla. Why? Because. <laughs> How else do you fight regular Godzilla? <laughs> right? I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> That's why I, I just loved how, like, cheesy the villain was, but... Yeah, I just bought it. I was just like, you know what? This is just a classic villain here. I, I'm, yeah. I, I, you don't need to flesh him out anymore. But, no complexities or anything. It was just like getting shit done and then getting killed because of it. Yeah. yeah. You, can very, you can very clearly tell that, you know, he's telling everybody that like, oh no, I'm doing this for humanity's benefit, but it's really, no, I'm doing it so I save humanity from the Titans. Mm-hmm. Me, not anybody else. Me do it because I'm that kind of guy. It's just a, a, yeah, a narcissist. He just gets killed about caught monologuing as well. He's a narcissist. <laughs> He's a narcissist with a ton of money. And his daughter, I loved how she was killed. She wants to get. Yeah. Yep. She wants to get King Kong out of the way so they can escape through that hole that was blasted through. So she's like, shoot him, and then Kong turns around, grabs the heave, and then looks inside. Make sure that it's not the little girl in there and then <laughs> fucking just crushes it and then throws it down to the ground like it's nothing. I, I loved that <laughs> so, so much. He does yes. Like a afterthought, eh, get rid of you. Well, like, it exploded you know, in his hands like, eh, and it kind of burnt his hands a little bit and he just kind of like <laughs> waved his hands just to cool his hands off a little bit because it exploded. I was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> where do you go? Where do we, where do we go now? We're definitely getting a Godzilla three, right? Like that's happening. Like that's the next movie. Well, we don't know. Like I thought, I thought the, that that had been announced. No, there's been no official announcement on any of that yet. This was this is at the moment, at least for now, the end of this MonsterVerse because uh, it's the end of the four picture deal that they had with Toho. Now. Hopefully, with this one doing better box office wise, and it's certified fresh and Rotten Tomatoes, and the overall reviews are generally pretty positive on it. Hopefully, this gives you know reason to keep this going because I want to keep this universe going. I want to see what else they could do, and I want to see their takes on some other classic uh, Godzilla kaiju that we haven't seen yet, like Gigan and Megalon and Baragon and Anguirus. Well, we kind of maybe saw Anguirus a little bit, you know. I want to see where else they go with some of this stuff. And just because, you know, we had Ghidorah in the previous one, we confirmed that he's an alien from space, and we go with Godzilla versus Kong, and we have Mechagodzilla in this one. Just go all the way crazy. Just go all the way to, like, aliens coming down like they did in the mid-Showa era, and just, and just do whatever. Go nuts with it, and let's just have some fun. 
Oh, dude, if they bring aliens into this, I am all in. I am all in. <laughs> Just go. I like that. Just go nuts with it. See, I, I felt like their plans, and I, it does sound right what you're saying, the the fact that they had problems with the box office, but I always thought that they had plans to do a Godzilla 3, and maybe those are put on ice. Because definitely because there were some problems with the box office in these movies. Because these are big budget movies that just weren't doing that well. Yeah, I mean, they were making their money and then some. But yeah, there wasn't billion dollar levels or anything. Which I think it's unreasonable to assume that a kaiju movie is ever going to gross that much money. Because it's a niche market. It's a niche subgenre. So it doesn't have broad appeal like your our, uh, Marvel movies and so forth. So... I've always been like, they're doing fine. They're doing well enough in the box office. They're making profits. Oh, man, there was that rumor for a long time that they were going to try to do a crossover with Pacific Rim. Yeah. There were articles about that, that they were going to try to do a crossover with Pacific Rim, but I just don't see that happening either. That I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if they could find a way to incorporate that, if they could blend those worlds. But it just seems so separate at this point. Yeah. Yeah. The storylines and the universes are just too far apart from each other based on like timelines and so forth. But yeah, I mean, I'd always be for that because hey, robots fighting monsters is never a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the, the tagline for the movie. <laughs> right. Ro- robots fighting monsters, never bad. Thing. Speaking of monsters, I'm trying to fight my cat's ass from hitting my mic right now. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm having my own kaiju battle right now. <laughs> uh, you your own butthole cut, eh? I have totally getting the butthole cut. He's rubbing his butt all over this mic, dude. Oh man. I love, I'm sorry. I love this movie. I can't believe I Tupperware this movie, but you know, it's like, at the end of the day, I just cannot hide my excitement for it. And I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of bad, like, reactions to this movie as well as good ones it's it seems like it's kind of like in the middle for a lot of people or not in the middle um like it's one way or the other like they hated it or they loved it that that's how these movies tend to go even within the fandom like if people love this these movies or hate these movies anything whether it's these new american ones or more modern Toho stuff. It's always rather polarizing, which I think is ridiculous, especially with a movie like this that embraces the campy silliness of like the mid Showa era from like the mid sixties and everything of these movies. And just again, like let's not think too hard on it. We're moving the plot along swiftly so we can get to more monster action and just enjoy it. We don't need to be thought provoking in this case. We don't need to be, you know, a real, think piece and sit down and ponder existential crises. No, I want to see a fucking giant monkey punch a giant lizard. Let's go. <laughs> and that's what we, that's multiple times. That's what we got, man. It was so, I, I had so much fun yeah. with this. And I also appreciate that we got a clear winner, you know, in things like BVS, it's like, Oh, they're fighting and fighting, but then it gets interrupted. And, you know, we got to team up at the end of it, which they still doing this, which, you know, it was always obvious to me that, like, of course there's going to be something that they end up having to team up ultimately because they're probably not going to want to kill either character. And that's the only way you could do it but still have a clear winner. And I'm glad that we got a clear winner. Godzilla very clearly won. Godzilla won. I will say, though, that when, once they teamed up and once kind of like Godzilla was out of that picture, 
King Kong took over and took like the fatality as far as like oh, taking yeah. out Mecha Godzilla. So well, it's not like needed to give Kong a win. That's what I'm saying. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Is like that's I appreciated that the fact that they they had Kong go in there and basically finish what Godzilla couldn't. Right. And I'm not saying. Yeah. I'm not. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that God, that King Kong could have taken Mecha Godzilla by himself, because they clearly work together, you know. But um, right there at the end, like he he did use the axe, he cut off both fucking arms, and then he ripped his <laughs> fucking head off. So also that, cut yeah, off a leg too. <laughs> I, 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 I do yeah. like that the idea that uh, Kong was able to beat Mecha Godzilla because Ghidorah wasn't familiar with Kong. And so it's that, that wild card element of bringing in Kong to finish the job that really like resonated and uh, made a lot of sense, you know, within the logic of this universe. Yeah. Yeah. I liked how he jumped on his back. You know what I mean? And yeah, he, he, he did cause some problems for him. Definitely. Absolutely. And, but he still needed Godzilla's help by powering up the axe. We saw, He's yeah. using the axe without it being powered up, and it's not really chipping away at the armor or anything. But once it gets powered up, yeah, just whole limbs are coming off with one swipe. You're like, God damn it. Oh, no, he definitely he definitely got tagged in. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> <laughs> This fight was very well booked to make uh, <laughs> yeah, both exactly. fighters look really good. <laughs> and that, that axe is made out of one of Godzilla's spines, right? Another of the Godzilla species, yes. There used to be. That's we were. It's part of the whole Hollow, Hollow Earth, Earth thing. Is yeah. that like there? They there were. You know, they each were a different species that were fighting for dominance within the Hollow Earth. However many, probably millions of years ago, or however long it's been, and that ultimately that the Godzilla's won that and drove the Kongs out of the Hollow Earth, which is why the last lineage of them, Kong that we know in this movie and his parents beforehand, live on Skull Island. I love the. Yes, the axe is made out of Godzilla spike, but a different one. <laughs> yeah, it's, no it's, ne- it's that. never. That it's was never <laughs> stated in the movie, right? No, no, it's not specifically stated, but I'm me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. That's one of those Hepner things that he knows. Um, I li- <laughs> I liked it at the beginning. I just, I like the whole um, the whole uh, kind of like um, setup that they had, like the. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but they they made that uh, in, uh, enclosure for Kong to keep him contained and keep him. Maybe Hepner, you can answer this. Was it that enclosure that 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 they made that that's why Godzilla couldn't detect another Titan? It, and I think they said that, but is that is that is that why he it's- could not detect Kong? So there's a couple things here, because sometime, you know, this movie takes place five years after KOTM 2019. So in that five-year period, a massive, like, constant superstorm is circling around Skull Island. It wiped out the indigenous people from Skull Island, which is why uh, the young girl is the last one. And that's why Kong took a shine to her and so forth. Uh, so because of that, in order to be able to continue studying him, they need to build that enclosure but it's the island itself is the reason why Godzilla can't sense him. There's something about the island itself. 
probably because it is, as they infer a couple times, it's the hollow earth come to the surface. So there's just something about the island itself. And, you know, Kong Skull, or Skull Island throughout the various Kong iterations has always had, you know, a fog bank surrounding it, so you can't see it. There's always some right. weird, you know, weather effects or something that make it, like, impossible to detect anything on it or even know it's there. Well, that, so. make, that makes sense because, like, that. my next question was going to be, like, well – if if it wasn't for like that enclosure, well, he was he's been there since the seventies. So, yeah, it's the island itself does the thing. But I appreciate it. we get to see Kong. We get to start this movie seeing Kong in his norm, waking up, shaking the crud out of his eyes, scratching his scratching ass, his butt, yeah. taking a shower, and then he gets some exercise <laughs> with a javelin toss. Every and that opening song was fantastic too. <laughs> yeah, it really lets you know that, like, okay, Kong's our POV character, and because he's a gorilla, he's more relatable to us as people. Yeah. But, like, it's so seeing him in his norm and, you know, understandable, where, like, you might as well have just had him reach for a giant pot of coffee out, out of nowhere. And, like, you would have bought it <laughs> at that moment with the song and everything else. You would have bought it because it's humanizing to the point of almost parody with the song helping with that. And you're like, Perfect. This is where we need to be. Take a take a big take a big dump in a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he gets him, like when he gets under the waterfall, I joked when we were watching like he rubs one out while he's here. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Oh, like, oh, that little girl gets a face full of it. Oh, it's shit. like the it's like the sneezing. Oh, she's a child. It's, the, it's like it's like the sneezing scene with the brachiosaurus in Jurassic Park. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh no! Oh, it's disturbing on many levels. Yeah, I said it. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. It's not the it's not the worst thing I've ever said. That's very true. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh man, oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where you go from there. <laughs> I will say one thing that I was a little disappointed with was uh, Ren Serizawa because he's obviously Ken Watanabe Serizawa's son from the previous movies and everything, but you don't have any he maybe has what seven lines throughout the movie so you never get a uh characterization or understanding of why he's on board with this Godzilla project and wanting to kill Godzilla when his father was so adamant and pro Godzilla and it would have nice been to get to know that character a bit more so we understood why because cause... his dad never spent any fucking time with him because he was always <laughs> fucking around with monsters yeah, that would be my theory but it'd be nice if we had that state in the movie cats in the cradle in the hey, silver mine. spoon little boy blue and the man on the moon when you coming home daddy don't know when we'll get together then right you know he never fucking yeah. hung out <laughs> With his fucking son, he was always too busy, and you know. And then uh, he gets the the son wants the car keys, and he ain't got time for dad now that he's grown up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's my theorization as well. It's also my interpretation of that song. Yeah, it's a real spoken word version there. Yeah. No, that that that, that would they should have elaborated a little bit more on that. I agree with you a hundred percent, man. Because that doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's yeah, like they it's didn't like, want to point out that that actor wasn't here anymore. Almost, it was like they were just trying to turn a blind eye. Or to they're that. just trying to use like, oh, okay, this character is you know, this character is from the lineage of this character. It's a, it's another familiar name. 
Yeah, like, and it's mostly, you know, most people who are watching this movie who aren't big fans probably aren't even necessarily going to catch that, that, oh, Serizawa is Serizawa. So for probably most people like, yeah, no, you need a Japanese guy following a mecha Godzilla, right? Mm. Right. Right. Woo. <laughs> Sorry. I just took a big shot of vodka there. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Glad I can give you time for it. Ah, man. I loved it. I loved it. And I know, like, that's not going to be... I don't know if that's going to be a popular opinion with this one. A lot of of people in the fandom are really positive on that. A lot of them have been pretty down on the previous ones, or at least mixed on it. So you're at least in good company within the Kaiju fandom itself. That's cool, because, man, I, I, uh, I think King of the Monsters was my... Before this movie came out, that was my favorite of all these, all of these movies that have come out recently out of the four. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of, uh, Skull Island and it wasn't because of Kong. I, I believe it was basically just like the actors that were involved. I usually love Tom Hiddleston, didn't care for him in this. I didn't care for Brie Larson in Skull Island. I didn't care for like the, the human characters in that one. And except for John C. Riley. John C. Riley was great, dude. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah, he was awesome. He was the best. Him and Kong were the best re- parts of yes. Skull Island. I agree. I agree. But in this one, I don't know. Even the human stuff worked for me. I loved just the the tech that they came up with. The heaves. I had a blast with like, you know, those with those with those heaves that they were flying around in. And I also love like the, just like the synthy music that they would play as they're going yeah th- through this movie. I just I really I just oh I had so, and the, like like that 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 really wide shot of Kong walking into like like uh the home of like the original Kongs. I was just like with the statue with the big stone statue of Kong there. Uh, of a previous Kong and, and just like him walking in there and just kind of like the reverence that he had for like his home and, and the slow walk that he had just like, and that huge, that huge shot that it's just that wide shot that they had. It was just so cool. The music, everything when he's walking into like that Kong temple, I was just, it just, it just felt so epic. It really, yeah, I referred to that uh, place as Congress. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, God. Oh, I'll see myself out now. Yeah, yeah. I, I right now. I'm seeing that Homer Homer Simpson Homer Simpson slipping back into the bushes right now. Oh yeah. Uh, what What about the size thing with Kong? Isn't he usually quite a bit smaller? Or this is mistaken the in that? this is the biggest Kong we've ever had. Right? Yeah, this is the biggest Kong ever. But, you know, in 62 with King Kong versus Godzilla, he was 148 feet, and Godzilla at that time was 164 feet. So it's happened before. In King Kong Escapes 1967, he's 80 feet tall. So we've had large Kongs before. But, yes, traditionally people think of him from the American Kong movies, whether it's the 33 original or 2005 or 1976. And he's, you know, usually about... 40 or so feet tall, usually around there, but he's been the biggish like this before. Final question. Final question. Team Kong, team Godzilla, Neil, team Kong, team Godzilla. Um, fuck. Uh, I guess I, I, I side on team Kong just because of the whole anthropomorphism thing. 
Um, and the fact that he seems to have a little more agency as a character, like he, he seems to make some more of his own decisions rather than being completely reactionary. Jake. Yeah, I'm right there with Neil. I'm Team Kong. Godzilla just feels like a force of nature, and you just can't relate to that. Um, they did a really good job of humanizing Kong and making him very relatable within the first five minutes of this movie. So I was rooting for Kong. Going into this, I was rooting for Kong. And leaving this movie, I was still rooting for Kong. And it's, it all goes back to, for me, I'm a huge fan of Kong 76. That's like the movie I grew up on. I've watched that movie. It's a movie. good movie. Dude, I love that movie. I, I grew up, Hepner, that was one of those movies from my childhood. You know, I was watching that when I was like, you know, four or five years old. And it was like one of those movies that was like on repeat in our house. And, um, yeah, I, I have, it's one of those. Yeah. There's actually an extended version of it for the, uh, TV release. It was like a two day, uh, thing like they would do back in the day for longer movies. And they had extra footage for it as well. I believe it was ABC that aired it. And there's a Blu ray that's coming out soon that's going to have that version in it as well. That's probably what I watched multiple times because I remember watching it on TV. I just, you know, I was so young that I don't remember that it was you know, what network or whatever, but I watched that over and over and over again. I love that movie so much. I still have my VHS of it. That's awesome. Um, oh, man. Hepner, Team Kong, Team Godzilla. Well, let me tell you all why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've always been ride or die with the big G, man. He's always, you know, he got me into Kaiju and everything. I still have in my room, I could... I'm like just a couple of feet away from him. My the original toy that got me into everything before I'd seen a movie or anything. My dad had come back from a business trip uh, from London and brought that back as a souvenir. And like I've always been Team Godzilla ever since. The whole for the next thirty plus years of my life, I've always been on Godzilla's side. And you know, uh, Jake, you say he's unrelatable. It's just a force of nature. No, he is a force of nature. But I share something very and can relate to him in very one specific way. Godzilla is an angry drunk. <laughs> yeah. I've met you in person, too, and I would also compare the bad breath with you as well. <laughs> I, thank you. Jake, you beat me to it. I was going to say atomic breath. God damn it. I'm not even joking. I was, and, <laughs> but, you know, I've always been a Kong fan as well, you know, but it's it's Team Godzilla for me always. You're not a fan of breath mints, though, Hepner. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's nothing wrong with Dan Hepner's breath. There is nothing wrong with his breath. That is just a completely fabricated thing that Jake made up. Yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> oh, stop right. it. His backtracking doesn't seem genuine. <laughs> Jake, were you, when you were young, did you see Kong or Godzilla first? I saw Kong first when I was young. See, me my first experience with any kaiju was when I was a small child, and I watched the original King Kong with my grandparents. So maybe there's something to whatever your first experience is, that's kind of who you whose side you're on. Mine was to my mother. She was the real monster in our home. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I saw a Godzilla movie until I was a teenager. Mm, we called her Momzilla, is what we called. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's stupid. Oh, 
<laughs> oh, Hepner, thank you so much, man, for joining us, dude. Did you have any? Fi- I I feel like I feel like you honestly. I feel like you could talk about this for like another hour. But did you have any final thoughts on uh, uh, Godzilla vs uh, Kong? I could talk for another hour or so, but this is also the third recording in 24 hours and we talk about this movie and I got two more uh, before the end of the weekend. So, Jesus. And then another one next weekend. Hey, I like it when I'm in high demand every once in a while. It happens rarely, but when it does, I take full uh, advantage of it. Um, Final Thoughts is, is just, you know, it's... It's a really good entry, and it's a good sticking the landing for this monsterverse if we're not able to continue it. I hope we do, but if we don't, we got a good solid four movies out of it. KOTM 2019 is still going to be my favorite, but this one is a pretty close second, and it works. It plays, and I was happy that we did it. I always come into these each time worrying that we're going to have a Phantom Menace situation where it's like, oh, this is terrible, but we didn't, so I'm happy for that. All right. That'll do it for this week, everyone. All right. We will be back next week with an all-new episode like we do every week, Jake. Yeah, every week. Every, <laughs> the joy yeah. in your voice. I can really feel it, Brian. Every week. It never ends. It's never a, ends. It's a, it's a merry-go-round I've never been able to get off of. <laughs> it just keeps going around and around, and it never ends. Seven years now, man. That's nuts. No, no. It'll it'll be eight. It'll be eight. Actually, I think it's oh, episode shit. 378 will be our um, eight-year anniversary. Holy fuck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be eight years Eight long years. <laughs> We're so tenured. <laughs> All right, guys. Just like all good leftover Sander doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and with a shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a 
culture carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture, leftover, and with the uncool kids, what's to say it's already been said, leftover, pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftover. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftover, and the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.